that we're recording. <laughs> Already just a... Uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, hey, Mike, I don't know if you know this, but the part where I say recording doesn't have to be in the episode. You can cut it early. But also, I, I do have a question. Why do you wait until you hit record? That's a good question. To go... Because I recording. Because it would be a lie to say we're recording when we're not recording. Oh, so that's what this is about is perjury, (laughs) (laughs) podcast perjury. No, I have a tick like that. Apparently, my wife tells me sometimes after I talk, I'll just go. "Eh." I think she just said you have ticks. I never noticed that I do that. You do it like half the time. You do what? You, say, you go, you go uh, like I'll follow up a sentence with a, uh, like I. I never noticed that. You haven't? Is that she before or after he lets go of your hand? Oh, well, heaven forbid well, I have a sense of humor about my vocal patterns, okay? We sure as shit do. Just looks at me. <laughs> you you wow. got the cold open, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be knocking it no, out of the park right. here. So I, I've, um, I've been keeping an eye on... Um, our listeners geographically and where we've got them basically we're on our 13th episode and i've noticed that we've got a bunch in canada we have one very loyal fan in alaska who i guess is sitting around fucking earbuds in eating whale blubber and fucking igloo or whatever thanks for listening uh we've got one and we just uh, lost them well yeah really uh really isolating the inuit population now i didn't i there's other people in alaska there's a lot of in Alaska too. <laughs> That's right. There's, uh, the, there's the Palin family. I forgot about. There's a them. lot of meth users too that work on oil rigs. Um, That's about it. We've got one listen in Germany because we covered the what was the German thing we did? Duhas. Uh, Duhas. Lubega. That's right. <laughs> um, which technically that's true. Um, we've got them basically in every state, uh, including Alaska and Hawaii. Um, I have noticed though that. Uh, despite all of our listeners, I mean, in the United Kingdom, even in Asia, there's one state in the U.S. that hasn't listened yet. And uh, I'll give you a hint. There's no dentist office or libraries there. Does anyone want to take a guess? Mississippi. Incorrect. Keep going. There's Al- other states like that, I guess. Uh, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> Alabama. Uh, it's a multiple choice. <laughs> Alabama. Uh, it starts with an A. Ten, uh, and it, Arkansas. it ends Arkansas. with Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed we've had zero listeners in Arkansas. Yeah. And um, I've got an Arkansas story. And I was going to save it for this occasion, uh, since no one's listening anyways. So I traveled to Arkansas. Well, we do record these in advance, so maybe by the time this comes out... Down. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I don't think they'll have internet. Yeah. But I was going to say, but before <laughs> we get right. going, if there is a listener in Arkansas, by the time we release this episode, thanks for listening. And if your house has internet, maybe go to patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Support the show. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's one word, by the way. Um, but I was in the, the grand state of Arkansas once, and I was in a grocery store at a U-Scan. Uh, which is where you, you check out your own groceries. And I was stuck behind um, a young lady and her mama, her big mama. And they had three baskets of sugar in different forms. And I noticed that the mama, who, uh, by the way, what, she, she, was mo- she was mobilized, but not by legs. <laughs> she, she, was, Wait, she was in her cart. And I don't, okay. mean, I don't mean the store's cart. I mean her cart. 
Her like, own hover round. Yeah, it like had Earnhardt stickers on it. You okay. use a lot of words to fat shame people. That, no, <laughs> like, you're, the one, you're the one who said fat. I didn't say anything. Maybe, may, 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 hey, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I just wrote a book about it. Yeah, Garrett, no one could pick up hey. from the context clues the three carts of sugar plus immobility. No. Hey, listen, she, she could have she could have had a, a bum leg from a ballet incident. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. Yeah, her big moma. Her big yeah. the boom, my you big old moma. What was the ballet walmart the origin story <laughs> so anyways the the moma is crying audibly sweating well that, that too yeah, she a, was awake hot. so the, the the daughter who's scanning all this stuff is going mama what is the matter with you and she said i'm hungry and the, the daughter said mama we are getting groceries right now i'm gonna go home and fix you something to eat and the moma the MoMA proclaimed, she said, well, I'm hungry right now. And I have to say that if there was like a Truman Show style, like TLC 24 hour camera, you know how they have like those cameras on like, like um, water holes in Africa. You can turn it anytime <laughs> you want and maybe see like a gazelle drinking or maybe like a lion fucking killing something. Usually it's nothing. I would watch her life. At all times, because I want to know exactly TLC what's going on. TLC has a show about that. What's it called? <laughs> My 600-pound life. Never, what are you talking about? <laughs> you I, you watch never, it nightly. I've never heard of it or stopped after Jesse's wedding at Dalton's house to watch and commentary like fucking Mystery Science Theater 2000. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> but, but this... MoMA and her daughter clearly stopped by a fast food joint on the way home for the daughter to make the moom something big to eat. I can't breathe. It hurts to be alive. How but, old is this woman? Oh, I mean, she was a grandmother still in her 40s. <laughs> Arkansas grandmother. I was like, what if this poor woman has dementia? <laughs> I'm hungry. Also, just a quick disclaimer. Yeah. We are not from some silver spoon territory uppity ass shit. We are also trash people. Yeah, we are. I, I, I think we've made that very clear. That you said that one time on your subway story, and then you followed it. You said we are hill people and followed it up with, and just the juxtaposition. You used like a fucking six syllable word right after saying we're hill people. Look, I, I just mean that, yes, we might have picked up on a word or two, but that doesn't mean that we're any. Some of us don't have all our teeth, is what I'm getting yeah, at. Jesse. I mean, yeah, Jesse. <laughs> like most Flat people, teeth. he uses words, he just doesn't know what they mean. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. One of us was gifted a word a day calendar for Christmas years ago. So. If you are hearing this, Arkansas, if you've managed to get some earbuds while you're chasing your sister down in the front yard, I hope you like the show, but you're on fucking call this episode because mama can't breathe. It hurts. It hurts to be alive. That's the cold open. <laughs> we, that is the most hateful I don't cold care. open we've done. I don't done. care. Well, oh, hey, this is a mean podcast. This is a mean podcast again. I love it. Like, so we have listeners. Dog was nicer to Frontier than <laughs> you were about that one. Give a shit. I love that the beginning is like. Well, you said fat. <laughs> what do you mean? There was a fucking 10 minute lead up of sugar cart, immobile, Dale Earnhardt stickers, mom. Yeah, I know he, he had no intention of using the word fat. No. No, I have other words. I have a word of day calendar. <laughs> yeah, we can get around that.
Jesse, honey, why is you crying? Are you hungry? Go down, hungry. <laughs> His Jesse is the mean one, and he <laughs> pretends like he's not. His yeah. lips moved in sync with his teeth when he said that. Did you catch that? <laughs> I don't have any teeth anymore. Not, not in your top mouth. And welcome to 90s Roulette, the podcast where we spin the wheel to see what media we cover from the only day we're talking about. These things still glitter is cold, roasting in glasses, or... Nice. nice. You cannot give me shit about the way I say recording. That's <laughs> yeah. I know Michael intro. with me is Mama. <laughs> I'm Jesse. Oh wow, we'll get you a second chair. <laughs> I'm Jesse. I mean, Garrett. I'm negative Dalton. And Garrett, what are we covering today? Uh, we're covering Bad Boys, directed by Michael Bay for our feature film. Our music video is Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. And our TV show is Beavis and Butthead. And this is literally the reason why we started the fucking podcast is for a lineup like this. Because Because this shit is sweet. It's really good. And you know what? I don't like any of it. I, I, I am officially making a new rule for the roles, and it's when someone is hot, when someone's fucking on, keep it going, man. You're rolling from this point on until you fucking snake eyes it. Because oh, did I roll this last time? You rolled this last oh, time, I did. That's and right. you killed That's it. Right. Unless you just lied. I asked you guys for the numbers, so. Well, whatever. Whatever it was. You were responsible for these. You know Jesse can't And count. we're going to keep it fucking going. Maybe yeah, we just got to do it that way again. You just but, let him ask us for numbers. I have rolled that's how it went down. and gotten us Lou Bega and She's All That and like 900 sketch shows, even though we've done 13 episodes. We have gotten Ed. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> but speaking of, this is a very special role at the end of this episode, right? This is a very special role. Our very next episode will be our Thanksgiving episode, I guess, but there's really no great Thanksgiving content. And I know there is. There's fucking Charlie Brown and all that, but that's all 70s and 80s stuff. So we're going to do a time warp where we cover a different decade. So we've all picked a different decade. Well, two of us have anyways. (laughs) Uh, I I think uh, two of these people are simpatico on what they consider good shit from a different decade. and uh, To To talk about, uh, yeah. yeah. In any case, um, yeah, so definitely tune in for that. It's going to be a a special one on our 14th. Uh, But yeah, back to the 13th episode, the one we're doing today. Uh, This is a fucking Venn diagram of the 90s. I mean, this is like the 90s is the big circle in the middle. And then you've got like a Michael Bay movie creeping in, which is utterly 90s. And then you've got Beavis and Butthead, Mike Judge, like who made a fucking career out of the American idiot and satirizing that. And then you've got something that is unironically incredible, like the Amadeus of grunge music. You've got Nirvana. So this probably is probably the most overplayed grunge song to date and still, it's still is. Good. It's like if you were to look I, at one of those bubble maps of the 90s, these would be three of the These would be bubbles. three of the yeah. fattest yeah. fucking Red, ones. Right at the center. I fucking said Venn diagram. What were you picturing? Triangles? <laughs> <laughs> what you literally described. Right, you know what? Without any further ado, I'm, I'm fucking upset now. Let's move into bad boys. Change it. the energizer battery it keeps going and going you know 
of your job almost slow enough to drive Miss Daisy. They're just bad boys. You forgot your boarding pass. Oh, Martin Lawrence, I'll be back. Ah! Will Smith, you, you so wrong with you. Bad boys, rated R. Bad boys, bad boys. At theaters Friday. Yeah, the uh, writing process has actually been going really smooth, actually. it's um, I'm on page 500, I think. It's called uh, You've Got Mail 2. Um, it's kind of like the plot of You've Got Mail, but instead of it being about uh, Tom Hanks trying to deep prick Meg Ryan or whatever that fucking movie's about, it's about a dude that gets an email from uh, Blue Chew about his, getting his dick to work for the first time. It's mostly autobiographical, but, you know, it's actually been going really well. well let me know when we're going, by the way. We're rolling. All right, and we're back, and we are covering Bad Boys from 1995, directed by Michael Bay. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. I wasn't sure if anyone was gonna do it, and I'm so glad everyone else joined <laughs> in. As, as I'm like leading us in, I just it. see Garrett go with his lips all blown up, and it's like, what is he? Is he a fucking gas? Or no, is he he's gonna, a bad boy. He's gonna become a bad boy. <laughs> Clearly, that's a, that's how they sing the song. They make their lips shape like a balloon and go like a blueberry, and like bad boy, bad boys. What's going on, bro? So cool Garrett's here today. Bad <laughs> 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 no, fucking aviators. <laughs> Garrett, Jesse, go ahead. Bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> What are you gonna do? Jesus, well, I everyone, know this has been a discussion on bad boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Change it. <laughs> but starting off, like everyone's seen bad boys, right? This, yeah, this I have now. Yeah, this was your first time seeing it. Uh, all the way through. I, I know I've definitely seen. Uh, I've seen it on TV, but it it's not really. It doesn't play well on TV. No, no, it, no. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize until like you mean on like cut up like on USA or something like, like TNT that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or TNT gotcha, gotcha. like edited TV version yeah shit. yeah um, yeah I didn't even realize until on my twenties that it was like uh, an as R rated as it was oh god yeah yeah, yeah. which is a totally different feeling movie it yeah. has been a long time since I've seen it and like I remember all of the action fun parts about it but I completely forgot how much the movie is really just this fucking cat and mouse game with like Mike Lowry like which one is Mike it's Lowry it's like Freaky Friday yeah it's exactly that yeah. from, uh, from a high level rewatching this movie I did want to say this what she's all that is for the epitome of high school teen dramas bad boys is that for guys that wear backwards New York hats <laughs> because it is littered it is like the quadruple threat of any mention of gay shit? Nah, nah. That only dicking down bitches in this thing. Yeah. Fucking women promiscuously. Married life sucks. And baby, my work, my work, my job is like at the fucking forefront of this movie constantly. That along is, with just machine gun rounds. That from is like Pistons. to this day apparent in every Michael Bay movie of that. Same, oh yeah, yeah, like no. a 90s fourteen year old attitude. He has not modernized no. at all. Well, no. which I, I do got to say, like I don't love a, a lot of his movies, but as a filmmaker and even as an auteur, I still have a lot of respect for him because he is. Sure. Me too. He is a technical level genius. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, visually, stylistically, and. If you watch one of his movies, you know that he's not like a Brett Ratner or Jonathan Liebsman or or McGee or any of those like hired hand hacks. No. You know, if I say we're gonna watch a Mac, uh, Michael Bay movie, you know what that looks like. Yeah, this. You, 
A hundred percent. You you may not be able to word it, but like you know what his movies look but, like. But I would and say what, this, even what their content's gonna but be. But this usually. movie is you know, as as much of as it personifies like the the joke almost, it is almost so much satire of just toxic masculinity, but yeah. I would still say it's the quintessential buddy cop movie maybe next to like rush hour or something like that lethal weapon this, was, yeah. well, this yeah. was like kind of a this easily could have been just like a lethal weapon knockoff in anyone else's hands to, and, to, to me it reminds me more has anyone ever seen the last boy scout the tony scott movie with uh willis bruce willis and i was gonna Damon bring talk about oh, tony yeah. scott but yeah Go. i mean if you want do you want to talk about well, and that, and that like both of those people are kind of a wreck versus you know, Riggs and Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon were like, no, nah, it's kind of an odd couple situation. But Last Boy Scout is a nasty, filthy, little Jerry Bruckheimer produced Tony Scott movie that just feels like cocaine is on the camera lens. Yeah. And <laughs> it even has a lot of people from that, like um, uh, Kim Coates, that plays the carjack in the beginning. He plays one of the head bad guys in that movie. It just feels like a dirty, nasty, like you're going to see someone's kneecaps get shot out and that's going to be one of the more subdued gunfights. Yeah. It's a nasty little flick. It feels more like a John McTiernan kind of thing than anything else. Yeah. So like he, Michael Bay does have a lot of uh, influences, but the one that he wears most on his sleeve is Tony Scott. It, like if you look at Tony Scott's work in the eighties, like hundred uh, percent, you know, like um, fucking uh, Top Gun and shit like that. Days of Thunder. Stuff like yeah. That. Days of Thunder. It, it's just, it's like a proto Michael Bay movie. It's uh-huh. it uses the same color palette, the same. Uh, it's like orange and orange sunset. Everything blue. has orange filter on yeah, it. Yeah, everything's got an orange filter on it. It fetishizes the military, government bad. Uh, it uses long lenses, and the action scenes are less about spatial logic and more about some sort of frenetic energy and just about the feeling. So you're not right. you're right. just what focusing you on stuff looking cool and sexy, and not about like understanding the geography or the logistics scene. of people in a scene. And it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense yeah. as to why things are not happening specifically yeah. to the main characters. Like you look at uh, um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. When uh, Tony Scott came on to the second one, the style just completely changes. Completely changes. It it becomes from like something that looks very uh, a muted color palette to something that's got that orange filter on it. it, There's constant heat shimmer on everything. Miami is perpetually in sunset. Just always like everything's LA or Mexico, and that's (laughs) that's the filter you got. When the opening credits were rolling, I I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, "How much you want to bet?" Because I didn't really remember the movie too much, but. How much you want to bet this fucking place is somewhere like New Mexico, California, Southern California, or some sunny ass place? Somewhere where, where they every, think clouds are UFOs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every single opening shot is just fucking that orange filter right. thrown over. Yeah, and no. the, the beginning scene of this movie especially is like more orange than the rest of the movie. Oh, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it, and with Tony Scott's movies, they're produced by Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. and uh, Don Simpson. Don Simpson, he, yeah. yeah. So and it, didn't Tony Scott do our our very first topic? Crimson Tide. He did. Crimson, Crimson Tide. Yeah. So it's a little yeah. bit of a connection here. Yeah. Uh, but then, like in the mid '90s, they're you know they're looking for the new vo- Jerry Bruckheimer's looking for the new filmmaker to prop up. And yeah, because because his be. nose has fallen off from coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's looking for someone else as coked up as him, and that happens to be Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. talk about. Um, like action geography and all that stuff. And, and basically what that means is not to like throw like a lot of film jargon around, but so 
I've talked a lot about one of my favorite movies, and I think one of the best movies ever made is Terminator 2. And not just because, like, you know, it's got robots and explosions, but because Cameron is at his absolute peak there. And Cameron is a guy that understands action geography better than anyone else does. Like, if you really look at what he's doing there, you're never lost or confused about where you are, even when things are hectic. Like, if you think about that um, L.A. River scene, the chase with the motorcycle and the truck in T2... He's showing you things, even though it's one straight corridor, he's showing you graffiti, he's showing you derelict cars, and you're always revisiting those things even when the shot changes. You're never confused about where you are within the, the frantic nature of the thing. With Bad Boys and with Michael Bay in general, it's a cut every three seconds, and fuck, you could have a guy like standing on top of a forklift, and then he could be jumping off the Empire State Building. You're, you're and it's missing like, okay. the visual markers that help right. bridge between shots because in Bad Boys, it is very, very apparent. And the movie kicks ass. It, it is rules. high yeah. octane. It's fun. It's great. I love the fucking leads in it. I love the supporting characters. It works I better think, as a comedy, though. Yeah, it works yes. better as a comedy because when when you start getting into some of those, the gunfight scenes are especially bad about it yeah. where you're jumping around all over the fucking place and you don't understand, like, well, I just watched six guys run past him that are armed guards. Right. Why didn't anyone just bah, 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 got his but ass? Especially <laughs> at, at the chase at the end where yeah, they're exactly, making off yes. with Taylor yeah. Leone. And, and Marcus uh, is chasing uh, the... Um, uh, fuck. Um, Martin Lawrence character is ch- is running from one side and Will Smith's running from another side. And these two are very athletically built different. I mean, Will Smith is just full Tom cruising in slow motion. Yeah, running. This, I think this scene is actually kind of when Michael Bay re- comes into his own as a, of a director. And there's a shot that the shot of uh, Will Smith running in slow motion with like his shirt whipping around and yeah. everything it looks really fucking cool. And really sexy. Take the shirt off. Yeah, take it, take it off. But I, I think that like that's the shot that makes Will Smith a movie star. Mm-hmm. Movie star at this point because it, it's you know it's his first real big. Uh, yeah, right. Leading star. up to that, you, you're you're sitting there asking like, what episode of Fresh Prince is this? Yes. But when <laughs> yeah, you, and, when and you and see him doing that sprint, well, he you're plays like, but like, it's like cutting between him and you don't know where he's at, but he's chasing an SUV on foot, and then it's cutting between that and the SUV. And then uh, Martin, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence, and you don't as close-ups of him, you don't know where the fuck he is. Right. But no. at the end, they somehow come together, and he and, saves him like like he's getting a kitten out of the way of an oncoming yeah, truck yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's just like you don't really need to know the geography of nah. things to understand what is happening and what you, how you should feel. About right, it. It, you should only feel that it's high stakes. Yeah, these guys could die at any moment. And then Until they're put in a situation where they... Then goofy like the villains trip over some paraplegics. Yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that is literally all I got out of it, though. That last scene in particular is so wild in how many fast-paced cuts there are and, yes, yeah, so many different angles of what's going on. I got completely lost. Until they are actually in the car chase, yeah. I got so turned around, like, and, what is going on? And so many things in the movie, it, it really becomes like you're watching this for explosions and high stakes dramatic fast cuts and that's really it because once you start thinking and breaking down like well why does anyone even care about this what does the fucking girl even matter 
to take a live at a I, certain point. I was thinking that too. It's right. like she's Shoot just her. a witness, and yeah. like the cops already know you're murdering people to get her away from the cops. Shoot her in the head. Yeah. It's not like she knows anything special that you yeah. need her information that, for. That now a hundred other people in a fucking courtyard Marriott <laughs> restaurant bar don't know. <laughs> like the, there's so many points in this movie, and it's not just that. It is very, very many where. Things just the the bad guys decide who gets to have plot armor and for how long, yeah. and and they are left essentially un, in unkillable states because you know like well she has to survive to the end because that's the romantic eye candy and he has to survive to the end because that's his buddy that's his partner and that's really it that's the extent of it for and everyone else is fair game even the villain's own henchman. But it, it happens over and over. Like in that very last scene, in that car chase scene, where they're going towards the gap. Uh, okay. Stop. What happens <laughs> slow when? Down. What happens when he gets through? You, you could just slow down and just go behind him. Go and behind then, him, and then it's wide open again. Why do you have <laughs> yeah. to beat him into this corridor? And also because what, it looks fucking yeah, cool. Exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah. It's not like this thing is closing. Yeah. It's not like it's going to stop. It's it's only going to allow for one car. And also, he's in a car. Also, this is a on great, an airfield. This is a great time to bring up that at, if I could sum up the movie in two words, I think it would be procedural nightmare. Because, like, I love how in this part, too, like, as he's chasing him in the car, he starts reading the Miranda rights to yeah. himself. Just getting out of like, the he's way. Like, I'm getting out of the way. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah, no. not how it works. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you just killed a hundred people in a hangar. Yeah. By the way, I like that well throughout the movie they're also like comparing body counts yeah. like yes. got, this is not the first scenario in which they have murdered people on the job no. when he goes to the witness's apartment to protect her and two men show three men show up and he kills one he never stops to report that to the no. police department depends no such thing as paperwork in this movie the, the, like, yeah there is there is yeah. no such thing as like due process or uh, any type of paperwork right, very end, like right after all this has happened instead of like alright we gotta go down to the precinct and like you know Exactly. he's like I'm exactly. going home I've got to do I've got to do six hours of court paperwork <laughs> yeah. because I just shot a man in the chest in a stranger's apartment en route <laughs> to pretend to be my partner it's wild shit also, this movie like, if I could say which two also words, like the pretending to be the partner job part is like the suggestion of his boss which <laughs> By the way, Joe Pantoliano is... The best uh, part of the movie. <laughs> He's the best part of this entire trilogy, I think. Yeah, but also, I wouldn't uh, peg him much of a chief character. No, no I was going to say the exact same thing. Like He is much, much better after coming off of The Fugitive as like a funny partner yeah. than he does as the chief. I felt like yeah. the only way they keep it halfway all... sell it was by sticking a cigar yeah, in his exactly. mouth. Yeah, even when he's playing <laughs> basketball, he's got a fucking cigar in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it when he, when he tells him to, to be Mike Lawrence though and he's like well, don't talk like that you don't sound like him talk like him sounds she sexy. hasn't talked to him before yeah, yeah. sounds sexy sounds sexier yeah. Yeah. he sounds sexier than she's that she's never <laughs> met him how the fuck would she know and sure maybe they don't know that but still what is the whole point of even keeping up with this fucking charade Dude, I, other to instill funny. the future oh joke for damn my wife found out I know it is like, <laughs> it is so beyond like the very first time he talks to Sure. It's it's funny that you said like you know this is what you're watching the movie for is the action scenes. One, there's only like five big action yeah. scenes in the entire movie, yeah. and most of the 
movie is this fucking cat and mouse well, game of like which cop is who yeah, you know, hiding it from the witness and by the time you've done that scene the first time like why are you not telling her the truth just tell her the truth and, yeah. real, real quick too the, at the ending resolution when his wife obviously finds out and both women are of the belief oh Mike Lowry is Will Smith's character not Martin Lawrence fucking obviously because there are a million giveaways and she's but figured anyway, it out long ago oh, yeah, she, but she, figured she, she figured it out yeah. but when they're downstairs and they get confronted by the villains in the lobby and they start just open firing to kill a chef behind the bar there there's a moment where you know, his wife has been playing hardball with him the entire movie. She is the fuck, worst she, fucking yeah, character. God, she sucks so much because she just wants, what? Quality time? Fucking, I gotta work. But anyway, they get into this gunfight, and this is with a police officer, Martin Lawrence's character, who has enough kills under his belt to have a body count. And now, just because she's present when a gunfight goes out, she's like, oh, oh my God, baby. Okay. And he's like, you stay here. Take the gun. I love you, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, she, she squeals <laughs> too out. too fucking late for that. She squeals out, I love you, Marcus. But he's playing the role. Like, he's been doing this shit for years. How did it take this long for him to just be like, yeah, now you see what I'm dealing with? It's like she's (laughs) mad at him and has never once thought, oh, wait, he's a cop. Yeah. He could be murdered. Yeah, he lives yeah. in a, he lives in a fucking ridiculously dangerous place. Yeah, he works he works in narcotics. I mean, like what did you think he was doing? Yeah, he, he shot at daily. But but also <laughs> he shouldn't be. But also the script does no favors for her character no, specifically it or no. any woman's character no. in this movie. No, no I mean, not at all. The the what tail on the what do I wow. I, I butchered the Taya Leone. You got it. You got Just it. Just call her teeth. <laughs> Go, go she, ahead. she doesn't get the top lip down the entire runtime. I agree, Dalton. Yes, it, but uh, she she's simply there to serve a purpose for Marcus's character to be sexually frustrated because he can't perform when he hasn't gotten to perform. Well, they cast the perfect person for him to not want to fuck because on on the, on the pantheon, like the Mount Rushmore of raspy, like cigarette smokers, hacking voice of actresses, you've got, let's see, we've got... Um, Emma Stone, Scarlett Johansson, and I guess Tay Leone and Kathleen Turner are like Lincoln and Washington up there. She is yeah, despicable. Damn, I find every one of those women beautiful. Yeah, too. I thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's well, like, not, see, you're not yeah. as much of a misogynist as Mike is. <laughs> <laughs> that, to be fair, no one's as much of a misogynist <laughs> I just, as Mike. I just Michael. think, like, do it. I, I, you know, I was thinking about the movie after afterwards, and I was like, fuck, man, that is just really a 14 year old boy's I am very badass movie, isn't it? Yeah. Because. It's not enough that she's like bitchy about being a witness and where she's staying, and she's like, I'm not I'm supposed to be just a traumatized character, but she's got to do it in a way that makes her annoying and obnoxious. They've also got to give her two fucking dogs to make yeah. her extra obnoxious, like the fucking really uh, the Admiral her... from Crimson Tide. Oh yeah, like he's yeah. no, he's got to have a little rat shit dog. And it's she's really just have for the, that one joke of like they're shitting on Will Smith's car, <laughs> yeah. shitting on the rug, and oh, <laughs> don't for forget, that. don't forget my dog. 
buggy when he's rescuing her from the apartment. It's Which like, it was kind of funny when Will Smith was like, oh, there's shitting on the run. Yeah, he's, yeah. that's funny. But Pokey it's like, and Dookie. Now, yeah. I think my favorite part was the, in the shootout in the apartment and the three guys yeah, that have come she's in. screaming he, about Smart, the dog. Martin Lawrence is having to, like, in the middle of the shootout, run through the apartment and chase this dog around. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, did you, you don't need that. Trust me. You've, yeah. you've succeeded in making her as obnoxiously feminine as possible. I think that you were on the nose when you compared this to she's all that this is literally like the 14 year old boy equivalent yeah of that movie women suck and need to be saved <laughs> and you gotta have your boys back to fuck chicks and shoot guys and race cars there's so many things that don't make any sense and just like it, it, like the context of it is like what it's just for the joke it's just set up for it's the just, thing. just like the high school yeah. Yeah. like I love the part it's just sound I love the part when they he goes to the house to try and confront Mike Lowry because he thinks that he's sleeping with his wife, and then they like have their little roll around fight in the pool in the front yard, and you can yeah, just which hear takes her voice. a she's really like, long time for them really to recognize and each other, and they're being extremely loud about it too. And she's like, "What's going on in the background? You never see her." It's like there's no way she wouldn't see this going on. They are like screaming and fighting, and, <laughs> and in this scene too, the two villains casing the place in the car are sitting there like. Well, what if we just run up on him right now and whack him? It's like, yeah, dude. What if you had whacked Will Smith's character when you hit him over the head with a sledgehammer and threw <laughs> yeah. a fucking window? What if you killed him right then? It, you guys what, are murdering people in your own say? entourage. The guy like right. knocks him through the window and says like like stay away or back off. And it's like you just murdered a woman with a sledgehammer, which by the way, that's a bit overkill in it. She she's just She's a madam that employed Will Smith's informant. Friend, who friend. was the hooker and who was see, killed by the Yeah, which guys. they shoot Max, which, okay, you know, that's quick and easy. But you see just this guy, like, stalking the hallways of the madam's house with a sledgehammer like he's fucking Michael Myers with, like, yeah. the, the drapes blowing. And it's like, yeah, shoot her. She spilled over the bed. He made such a scene. And this is the same guy that just taps Will Smith through a window and says, oh, that's probably good Back enough. off or yeah. whatever he says. And he fucking books it. You guys are raising body counts every fucking scene you're in they're, but they're, you won't kill the cops they're in they're in a club later that is a huge public place there are people <laughs> everywhere and their first reaction is the, the, the cops we gotta kill them <laughs> and just create yeah. this crazy are scene. these the most inept criminals <laughs> possibly <laughs> yeah. because yeah. even though you've got two sopranos cast members in here, you neither know. of them are the criminals leading the way. You've got to have the guy who sneaks in the bathroom with a knife to only have his friend wrap a bag over Martin Lawrence's head, gets kicked in the face, <laughs> and then Martin Lawrence wrestles around with him, knocks that guy out, and the dude has, like... Martin Lawrence just dropped a pistol, you had a knife, and what does he do? He tackles him. He just runs up and spears them. Yeah, well, like you got to give him a chance to grab the fucking uh, towel dispenser off the wall and hit him in the head. Right. Like, it's fucking Friday Night Lights. I'm going to give him a chance now. It's like, dude, just fucking shoot him. Kill him. You know, There's music blasting in this place called Club Hell. Back, just back shoot him. To the same year, 95, back to James Cameron in, like, action geography, he has a bathroom fight in True Lies, which is fucking incredible. And they make use of every single thing in the actual environment. And it's really, really impressive versus something like this to where 
logic just goes completely out the window. No, there's but, no but, logic. But a fish, but it kind of still like looks cool. They they have that when they wrap the bag around his head, he's like fucking climbing up the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it, it, it does look cool. Him. It's yeah. just they don't do it in a way where it's it like makes it, sense. it makes sense that he gets out of it and they also throw in they've got to cut it with fucking Will Smith at the bar on the other side of the fish tank where you <laughs> see him struggling gasping for breath he's looking at some lady's legs and feet he's like smelling her feet yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. oh man like this dude couldn't stop his foxhound fuckery to for five minutes to yep. make sure his partner's okay. Whatever you want to say about the bathroom fight, though, it's kind of like whoever shot that and cut that together did a decent job because they make they make a, an actor who's as short as Taya Leone is a human cigarette believable in that he fought two grown assailants. True. I mean, Martin Lawrence is like four foot seven or and something like know, that. And, you know, I was going to mention, too, both of them look very small. Like, they do not look jacked. Or, no, like, no, Will Smith looks is, lean. Yeah, this is yeah, like, this again, is, it's like, this is before, you know, Independence Day and before he becomes, like, an actual action yeah, star. Yeah, no action hero bodies mm. in this. He doesn't no. get jacked until, like, Ali, I don't think. That's, like, 2001. No, no but it, he he looks better in, like, Independ- Independence yeah. Day, yeah. though. Just, H- just, from he's a, just He's just lean. He's got, yeah, like, just, a basketball player. Right, body. right. Just yeah. in, in, with respect to how much of these guys are just... I, and I really just mean to bring that up because of how much they're just whipping ass. Like... At a certain point, there is a boxing gym scene, and Martin Lawrence's character is fucking around, dropping barbells on himself and playing with the speed bag. Like it doesn't make them seem like they are like well trained, you know, like know some fucking no, judo. No, like Abbott and Costello, man. Yeah. So yeah. they get out of I'm like any situation. You... The first scene with them, with those guys trying to carjack them, they... right. They, they've got such anybody. speedy reflexes that they can in unison disarm two <laughs> men with pistols trained on their skulls. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because they did the, for like the first half of the movie. I kept wondering, like, how the fuck did Martin Lawrence make it to detective and narcotics? Because half of the scenes in the first part of the movie where they're all like investigative and they're trying to put together is like how what's going inept on. he is. It's just him running around doing silly stuff, yeah. and then they go to the crime scene where they find like the dead Kim or whatever in the house yeah. uh, and he's they, about they, to puke and the, he's about to puke he crawls on the floor and is touching everything and it's like you guys are fucking with the crap scene so hard like this is the opposite of what a narcotic you probably got promoted because he can hear things from three miles away <laughs> <laughs> he's, look up a picture of Martin Lawrence they, they, they make that joke in oh, the yeah, fucking movie yeah, they do. but yeah you're you're right they're, they're the like actual logistics part of like good detective work or like what would be the Batman characteristics of the investigative process are absolutely in gone. this fucking movie <laughs> yeah. because it essentially boils down to whenever there's actual like plot movement, it comes to gun to the head screaming and fighting is where they really get traction. Yeah. yeah, speaking of gun to the head, I love when they decide to interrogate the guy by having Will Smith thrown down and put his gun to his head and be like, I will fucking kill you. Michael Imperioli, <laughs> yeah. Martin yeah. Lawrence is like, he'll do it, he'll do it. <laughs> There's no way you guys are still going to be narcotics detectives after this. this is like That's one of the better scenes thing. of the movie, though. It, it, it is, is a good scene, but yeah. yeah, it's like the whole movie, I'm just like ready to like pull my hair out. It was like, this is, you guys are the worst cops of all 
all fucking time. I get why the captain has (laughs) high blood pressure because you two are constantly going around. He's like, you're the dogs. He sicks on people. But in the process, you shit all over the house. It seems like like the only reason you guys ever come out on top in the end is because you get lucky and just follow this woman around the whole time when 90% of the movie is you guys being wrapped up in your own shit and faking who who Mike Lowry is. Yeah, and pretending (laughs) to not know where my fucking light switch is. Has he never been to his best friend's house? (laughs) By the way, he goes through that apartment tripping like, over shit. I redecorated shit. recently. That, that's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. parts of the movie though is where he trips and he's like, oh damn, I'm tripping over shit that I already know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> like He's laying it on yeah. so thick, man. <laughs> like, just stop yeah. talking. Of course she doesn't know. She knows that you're not Mike Lowry. You could have given up this bit Day one, really? but for some they kept reason. it going on. But like, as soon as the real Mike Lowry shows up, they could have just explained the whole thing. Like, yeah, all right, yeah. I, I, we just needed to talk to you. This is actually he could Mike have Lowry. explained it to her when he met her and just be like, "Look, I'm Mike Lowry's partner. We right. will meet him soon." But you know, the only reason why like any of that has to happen is so that they can fight on the front lawn. Because they gotta have the scene where right. he's like playing up the he's sleeping with his best friend's wife. Well, bit. yeah, they keep yeah. like lighting these long plot fuses, and it's like, why are you why are you trying to blow things up? Don't blow anything up. Just fucking act normal. But I will say that like we're chopping this thing to bits, and it's a Michael Bay movie, and it should be because the thing's Swiss cheese. If you really like, you know, don't even yeah. squint that I mean, hard. If at you it. look at that, any Michael Bay movie, there's like no less than three to four screenwriters. No, <laughs> and, and, but, but what's what speaks to this thing's merit is like, even though it's this full of holes, fucking Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are bona fide stars, and this oh, yeah. this makes them that and because just, yeah, and uh, not just that too, but I think for all of the movie's flaws and it being kind of like really like oh, there's a lot of toxic masculinity. A boy's in it. imagining like, of it, what a buddy cop duo do, right? Yeah, and like, but it does actually, at least for the time, try to paint the characters as being really like positive influences and being like young like men that are like they're not afraid to talk about what they're feelings with each other they're trying to do the right thing in that pool scene he's like i would never do that man like you're my brother like we've known each other forever but you have to fight first he's but but yes like martin lawrence's character even like when it comes down to it he is a family man and they play this up more in the later films of the the this the franchise and everything but you know he's the he's the grounded like family man to being there for you know his his relatives or his immediate family whatever but and Will Smith's character you know they make mention of it he's this guy who has inherited a lot of family money or any and everything but he does say like i still fucking work hard you know, right. I'm not. I'm not just here to play pretend. I'm trying to do a good job. Yeah, this right. is my. This is all I ever wanted to do my entire life. Like for whatever reason, despite like all my, all the things that were given to me, all the silver spoon advantages. This is all I wanted to be was a fucking cop. Right. Like, the, hell there's or still high water. the sprinklings thereof that is actual heart to the movie. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, we're we're chopping it up and we're we're hating on like 
every basically every fucking scene and like <laughs> how the characters built up everyone outside of the two leads is just a fucking cartoon well the the script the script is really the worst part of the movie and sure. that's that's yeah. the one that warrants the most like criticism yeah the what's most not criticism, in the but, script is the best part though because bay let them improvise fucking like 70 percent of this stuff like there's a lot of things they didn't want to say they flat out argued and argued with bay about like i don't want to say this this doesn't feel like my yeah, character I, would I'm say this about more like the plot and the reasonings behind right, right. Right. the motivation for definitely the plot yeah to, yeah. The, to the extent that the like villain the, the writing part of it yeah yeah um, the, 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 are, the the villain at the end of the movie shoots the man who just transferred all these funds into his account to what end to take yeah. the drugs back to be cool. and also what was your grandiose plan once you shoot this rich man with all these armed guards around it it just is like very fucking well, I just want him to be evil. And yeah. that's really the extent of it. But the movie in and of itself, I still think is it is the buddy cop genre to a T, yeah. especially for, for the time period. For as as much as like Bay is eventually known as, you know, for bombastic action and and you know explosions, explosions and that, CGI. which is only like two in this yeah. movie. CGI is yeah, where he, he sticks for over a decade. No, he he actually no, I would argue the opposite of that. He does not rely on a lot of CGI. He's one of the Transformers were real? He built those robots? Transformers, yeah. How the fuck are you gonna do Transformers without CGI? But like he shot with real elements and real explosions. Spielberg and, and actual it. and actual set on location <laughs> sets and then enhance it with CGI and put the Transformers in later. But like all his other movies like Ambulance and shit, that's not you know, CGI is enhancing stuff, but he's still one of the few director big directors that are shooting on location with real things happening in front of the camera which is why his shit looks as good as it does yeah. when it happens uh but to my point like i think the uh this movie is less known for the action and more what it sells it on is the chemistry of the two leads yes yeah. 100 yeah. it's a comedy and it's also it's reported to be 17 million dollar budget but he says it's closer to nine nine to ten is really like what they had to work with there so this is a what and what did that what did they make on it I'll look it up here in a minute. I, honestly, I, I meant to do that this morning. I'll cut all that out. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, I guess. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I said a lot, I'm sure. But yeah, I'd, he's this is his his smallest budget. And yeah, he it was like, does I think a it, lot it was with it. 60, no, I think it was like 20 million. No, 60, no. 60. So it made 60? No, uh, the budget. I'm talking no, about budget. it was 17, and he said he made it basically for nine. He said that. I, I okay. looked that up last night. All right, and I remember one was like twenty million. No, I'm thinking about paying gains like twenty million, but it looks like a sixty million dollar movie. Right. Um. Yeah. I, I. I mean, I believe it. He. He makes stuff look like it's. It's way more expensive than it actually is. Yeah. And it. And it does look sweet. The movie is high energy. It is fast paced. There's a lot to like digest in between the comedy bits that they're that they're pulling but what you said like setting up this well of a like this this good of a of a tag team yeah that i i would put this like yeah if there was a mount rushmore it's probably will smith and martin lawrence next to jackie chan and uh fucking Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yeah. Uh, and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. <laughs> all of them. But because, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, to, to, to a T, this paved the way, I think, for a lot more of 
this to be made? Because I, f- I feel like we've seen a lot of the attempts at the two th- and in the two thousands specifically to recreate whatever like buddy duo, not even necessarily cops, but to recreate this type of chemistry that's supposed to be heavy banter mixed with guys who like one's kind of a goon and one's kind of smooth. And, and but, but th- those movies rely on growth though. Like even something like, um, like due date or whatever with Robert Downey Jr. And Zach Galifianakis, it's like, what happens when these two get together? And there's like heart in that movie. And you find out that it's a little more planes, trans and automobiles, like Galifianakis characters, a little sure. more John Candy. And like, there's some tragedy there. Yeah. But the growth in this movie is, is Martin Lawrence drives faster by the end of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it. That's all you really get. Yeah. I mean, I don't, they, I think Will they, Smith learns anything. They become stronger boys. Yeah. Like that. To your point, I think that's interesting you say that about like the buddy comedy thing coming back because Lethal Weapon still makes a lot of money. Even the third one in 92, it made a lot of money, but it was like kind of panned by the fans and critics. And then Last Boy Scout, I don't think it did great. I mean, it made money, but it didn't do gangbusters. It didn't like triple its budget. And dealing with those producers, they were looking for a lot of profit. But this movie did gangbusters and them making Rush Hour three years later. Yeah, because this is 95. This is 95. So when they made Rush Hour... They put those two together, and not only that, but they slapped a PG-13 rating on it, and Chris Tucker is so engaging and compelling, even with limitations of a PG-13 budget, that... Fucking hilarious. It doesn't matter. It still works because this guy is pure kineticism on screen with Jackie Chan doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the action, and that movie made... Like a hundred and thirty million dollars on excellent. like thirty million. Yeah. yeah, this uh, this um, uh, worldwide gross was one hundred forty-one million. Hundred, oh, Jesus insane, Christ! Dude. I'm tall, dark, and handsome. You third world ugly. <laughs> on, on nineteen million. <laughs> on nineteen million. I think. I think what he was saying was nineteen million was also what went into. Uh, advertising and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he made you, it closer you, to ten. Essentially, double the budget when right. you get into like marketing and stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's insane. But that's great, man. Yeah. 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 So he after ripping on it as much as we have, like it is so well cast. Would yeah, watch it. He's again. like, it's all them. He is definitely like a commercial director and a very successful one at at all that stuff. Like even especially when you get towards Transformers, that's like wasn't making god damn a lot more money than they should make. Yeah. I mean, we oh, were just yeah. talking the other day about the the got the original Got Milk commercial. Yeah. It, yeah. It was like, the yeah, Aaron Burr is, one. Yeah. Yeah. Like credit where credit is due to Michael Bay. I mean, he is a, he is a very solid director. I mean, especially in the nineties. We're talking about that, that commercial with the Aaron Burr, uh, Got Milk thing like that. That's like a minute long. Every single shot is telling it's a telling different a part of the yeah. of the story. You've got to pack in so much information. You got to pack in like the uh, that he's eating a peanut butter uh, sandwich. You've got to pack in the setting of the museum. You've got to pack in the radio contest and what the rules of that are. And yeah. you've got to say that he doesn't have any milk. There's right. no fat and on that fucking steak. Every single shot. Go as far as to create it. the illusion at the end of the glass by having like a giant empty jar or something to make it look like yeah you know, it's, it's a very right important very front. prominent in frame yeah yeah um yeah he's he it's definitely knows so give him credit for that too but it was a commercial that was like everywhere too it, it uh started the oh it was it started huge. that got milk is it the first got milk thing yeah i think it was the first one and that's that still their slogan like yeah. to this day 
Yeah. Yeah. Started a whole like campaign of that. Obviously um, had a heavy impact as a whole. Just yeah. In the business, the dude. The dude has done his due diligence and put his time in, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah credit to where it's due. Like he, he is, he is a really great director. But the, the this, point being, like he's he comes from commercial and music video where every single shot matters and every single shot has to look like the best shots out of right. anything. Yeah, you're selling As we something from doing Meatloaf and I'll do anything for love. Yeah, like, which uh, I would uh, end up. I, Honestly, I, I think the, the other music video he did for Meatloaf, uh, Objects in, in the, the Rearview Mirror. Mirror. Yeah. yeah, that that even more so. That's like the Rosetta Stone of Michael Bay because every fucking trope and uh, and trick that he's known for appears in that music video. You've got like you've got orange, you got blue, you got people silhouetted in uh, airport hangers. You've got low shots of people looking at an airplane passing by. You've got the American flag. Like every single shot in this music video shows up in Pearl Harbor. Um, even the sex scenes look the same. Uh, you've got like atmospheric lighting and stuff. So the but he I think it's a little bit of a detriment to him to There's sex scenes and objects in the rearview mirror. Yeah. When they're with, with, with meatloaf, no, no, with the oh, uh, thank the younger, God. The younger <laughs> version of meatloaf ha- having sex with someone in a car. Who did they cast for the younger version of meatloaf? <laughs> someone that does not look like meatloaf. <laughs> 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 he looked a lot better than meatloaf. You, you mean the other f- yeah, fucking five point nine billion people like on the be- planet? Yeah, he looks like he belongs in the Outsiders or something. Oh um, boy. But I think it's a little bit of a detriment. So there's an accident in the video where he becomes meatloaf. There's a a scene with toxic waste. Yeah, he falls in an oven upside down. He gets ketchup all over him and oyster crackers. (laughs) It's not real. It didn't happen in the video, Garrett. Uh, what? You're just staring at me like, fuck, does that happen in that video? I mean, <laughs> uh, Don't be scared. I just watched it this morning. So. Mm-hmm. But you're right. And I mean, I think credit where credit is due to Michael Bay. He's a great director and it, it does shine in this movie. But I do well, think that the probably... The point I was, I was trying to make for that was like, it's a, also a bit of a detriment to him that uh, he shoots things like... Uh, like every single shot in his movie is probably the, the best shot in uh, just anyone else's movie. Uh and I think that's a little bit of a, a, you know, a detriment because it's all style over substance. Yeah, well, that. But if every shot, every shot is given as much weight as the next shot, just someone a reverse shot or somebody walking away yeah. is as important as like a shot of someone dying or having an emotional breakdown. Sure. And if every shot is is like the most important shot, then none of none them none of are. them are the most. Yeah. yeah, if there's that little gravity to every single situation, it's kind of like, well, none of this is grounded. And the, I mean, that really comes point. through because a lot of the movie doesn't have a lot of heart. You know, and you can try to you know drum it up as best you can and couch it in the fact that you've got two excellent actors working with one another, really doing heavy lifting for it. But it just doesn't come across consistently, and it's few mm. and far between. And it doesn't, it just really doesn't have the same type of gravitas for those moments where they're, you know, guns pointed out and stuffed in the face of some gas station attendant is not the same caliber as interrogating a man as to the whereabouts of 
drugs and related people to a murder and huge narcotics right. bust. It doesn't have the same type of weight well, to luckily, it. Well, there's very little about the movie. Then again, <laughs> I would argue that like maybe that actually does add something to the movie. Is like the gas station scene is a perfect example because most of the movie feels like it's carried by Martin Lawrence and Will Smith and their relationship with each other. I feel like that's re- really what drives the movie and makes it as good as it is. And then you have scenes like that where so much of it is them just playing off each other and joking or riffing, you know, poking fun at each other. And then it's a scene like that where they're all guns pointed at each other. And so then it kind of goes from being something that would be really intense to just being funny because it's like they're cops. And so there's like, they're used to it, I guess. So you have a lot of these scenes that are like, they would be like really intense scenes, but it actually kind of downplays it a little bit because it's like them just fucking, It almost seems seems intense for kind of no reason. Like out of nowhere is is more of well, what that's, I'm that's Michael Bay though. Is what's cartoonish is commonplace. I mean, we haven't, we haven't even mentioned Armageddon or anything, but you take oil rig workers. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to finish the sentence. Everyone knows what the, what the rest of that <laughs> sentence is. But what I am impressed with more than anything else that what he has an eye not just for production but for cast. He has a fucking wonderful eye for that because we think of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith as being larger than life, like a tier. And at this point they're not Will Smith is on a TV show that does really well. But until that he's, he's a nerd and made in America. He plays the boyfriend. He's in like where the day takes you, which is a movie about junkies that are uh, living on the streets of LA. He plays a guy in a wheelchair, but even in his most notable role of fresh Prince, he's a kid. He's a kid. You know, he's a child. He's not a, well-rounded, rough-and-tough cop that he's no. displayed to be in No, this. and he's still doing Fresh Prince at the time when this movie happens. But and, and Martin, I mean, Martin has his own TV show. He's in the House Party movies, and he hosts Def Comedy Jam. That's it. I mean, that's what he does. And the, this movie, I think Michael Bay can make anyone an action star, like, especially if you watch something like um, like Ambulance. Garrett, you mentioned that earlier. You mm-hmm. make Jake Gyllenhaal and Abteen Martin look larger than life action-y. Yeah, yeah. You, you throw someone in slow-mo with a sweaty tank top on and have them walk away yeah. from an explosion. <laughs> Fuck, cool guys actually don't look at explosions. You're right. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's they don't. Think about The Rock. I mean, like, he makes... I'm not going to say he makes Nick Cage an action star, but he definitely makes it to where Nick Cage can be in Face Off and Con Air... He's more believable right as an action star there than fucking Ghost Rider. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But he makes Sean Connery a bona fide action star. Again, that is, is unofficially a James Bond movie. There are mentions mm. of that being James Bond, that he worked for MI6. He does give them a very like badass feel to them, which which goes sure. a long way too. But I, I do think that them working off, playing off of each other and just having that fun chemistry with each other just grounds them as being like everyday cops somehow even though they're procedurally horrible and that's so still, much what they do yeah, yeah. The, the, a lot of a lot of the things that you would relate with as an audience member because I, I i think we're pretty much in line with who this was targeted at um you're you're looking for just busting balls that's what you're looking for. You're looking for they that, just feel that like banter they, between they the managed to make them feel like real miami people 
sure. even though they like are they don't do great at their job a lot of the time, particularly with the investigation. But they I've still never been to fight. Miami, but I'll take it. <laughs> Not to bust your ass, you thought this movie took place in Los Angeles until about ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about? Don't we cut that out. We cut that out. <laughs> no, no, it's staying. Yeah, in. we cut that out. Um. Well, the shit now I just feel like I'm repeating. They're calling then. it Jesse uh, embellishes on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I hear what I hear what you're saying though. Like, I, I think that that has to do with Michael Bay getting getting the thing most of the way home and looking a certain way, and then having an eye for people that can be cartoon characters but can also humanize the actual poorly written characters. Because to my point, he gets huge people to be in his movies to this day. I mean, you, like even Transformers, the first one, John Turturro does most of the heavy lifting in that fucking movie as yeah. the sort of like government black ops villain. He is fantastic. He does so, he does better work in that than he does in some Coen brother movies. So I'm glad you mentioned that because one of he's got an, one of his other influences, uh, is, which doesn't feel like it should, is, but is it, 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 it Howard sure. Hawks? No, uh, the Coen brothers. He oh, loves okay. Coen brothers movies, and he's he had uh, in '98 like there was a quote of him talking about always wanting to make a movie like. There, there's like a dark, quirky thriller or comedy. Pain and Gain. He he ended up making Pain and yeah, Gain, which is a which, great movie. On paper, it's a fucking Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and in his own way, it's it's like Coen Brothers, but with the in way of just making it. The director hates everyone, <laughs> every character in his movie, pretty much. Right. He's very like you know. He just has a lot of disdain for all the characters. And, and it, speaking of Coen Brother, he gets Tony Shalhoub, which is like a Cohen guy. He gets him as the bad guy. Yeah. And he makes Tony Shalhoub like something so fucking dialed up and cartoonishly evil. It is infinitely compelling. And it's weird to think that like Tony Shalhoub is making Monk or whatever at the yeah. time. He is a great character. Actor. He he not only does he get Tony Shalhoub for that, but he has worked with just about every major Coen Brothers actor, beside uh, with the exception of uh, George Clooney, probably. Yeah. Um. He's Steve Buscemi, Francis McDormand have both been in his movies. John What's Francis Go- McDormand in? Uh. Uh. Transformers. Oh, is she in there? God, mm-hmm. that movie is stacked One, with people, man. I, I'm just in the franchise. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it's Transformers. Uh, John Goodman does a voice of one of the Transformers. John Turturro. Uh, he, he's just worked with a whole bunch of he's a fucking fan Coen Brothers yeah. staples. He he likes he he's not afraid to wear his inspirations on his sleeve. And yeah. God, I mean, think about just Armageddon in general, and even The Rock. Like every one of those villains. I mean, when you're a kid back in like. 96 you don't realize how many people are in that it's yeah. like Ed Harris is the bad guy and it's like every one of those bad guys David Morse fucking Tony Todd Candyman that movie is littered with character actors it's incredible yeah. how many people are in good, that thing. good for him man he I, people want to work with him the, his yeah. other uh his other big inspiration is also David Fincher um when he I don't was, think David Fincher feels the same way. Well, when he was working on in music videos, he got hired on Propaganda Films, which is David Fincher's. He was the co-founder of those that music video collective. Makes sense. Uh, company. Yeah. And so uh, Michael Way was the first round of directors hired after the co-founder. So he worked with David Fincher. He was like all the people that worked at that studio said that he worshipped uh, David Fincher. He kind of followed him around like a, a little puppy dog, and they had like a bit of a, an adversary relationship. And he he even cribbed like a bunch of of techniques from David Fincher and put him in his own music videos I would say, just through his bombastic. I lens. would do anything for love. Looks a lot like Janie's got a gun. Yes, 
Yeah, exactly. Very much like the he yeah. he got a lot from that. I never thought about um, it. Yeah, and then in the nineties they become very different directors but they do both make detective movies yeah he makes seven and he makes <laughs> yeah. bad boys the same year and it's like yeah those are kind of different yeah Just could but, not hey, get but seven, further away from each other what is seven we talked about this before what is seven at the heart of that movie it's a buddy cop it's a buddy cop yeah, movie 100 it has a but it actually has heart and like that, depth though yeah, yeah with that and <laughs> like is scripts. procedurally like sound and is yeah. investigative in a way that is you actually feel like you're following the plot yeah like, it feels okay. like a mystery thriller yeah, yeah. and they, they don't win they don't like defeat the bad guy and the, there the is right. a there's a, a scene at the end where, of this movie where that feels kind of like the at the end scene at the end of seven where he's holding a gun to uh uh kevin spacey's head and you've got will smith doing the same to uh what's his face of course that is i would argue that's way different just because in that moment it's supposed to be like he's so emotionally like riled up that he like it doesn't that procedure procedure doesn't matter to him anymore right he 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 throws a caution to the wind yeah whereas like this is just like this is their good cop bad cop solution that they probably do all the time which is funny (laughs) which is funny that you say that's the moment where procedure doesn't matter oh no i think it's way before that but (laughs) oh you mean scene one yeah Yeah. (laughs) how about the scene where they actually stick up the the convenience store they they don't pay for the skittles and the bubble oh yeah yeah, they do i forgot about that yeah they they actually stick Deal. Yeah. They, yeah, it turns out they did rob him. Yeah. He, 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 his instincts were I, almost there. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think the biggest takeaway, like since Garrett's kind of gone through this this list of inspirations and kind of what it bled into, and all these fucking people that he's worked with that are just knockouts, I think the biggest takeaway is that he really should have directed Ed. And I think <laughs> I, I would argue that anyone should have directed Ed yeah. instead of it just being an AI thing or whatever the fuck happened back there was a prototype. Anyway, this movie fucking kicks ass. It rules. It yeah. rules. We yeah. tore it to pieces at parts, but man, if you want, but, if you want to see some just good early ass stylistic as hell action flick this is it man yeah man this this is like the infancy of Will Smith Martin Lawrence and Michael Bay as like A-list mainstream filmmakers and actors and honestly as, as great as Will Smith is and remains for years and years and years to come Martin Lawrence, of course, had a lot of issues and had a stroke and some other things I wish Martin Lawrence would be would have had the career that Will Smith did. And I'm glad they're still making Bad Boys movies. But honestly, after seeing that third one, it's not bad. I, I wish Bad Boys 3, or Bad Boys 4, rather, was made by Bay. Because you see something like Ambulance, and you're like, Michael Bay can still make yeah. a movie that's set in reality, kind of. Even though that movie is fucking nuts, and you better take Dramamine before you watch it. Yeah. Because he, oh, he, by the way, there are drones now, and Michael Bay uses them real hard when he doesn't need to. Oh and it would probably be... <laughs> Every fucking shot Jesus. is just like a FPV drone going under a car that, or something. That movie is Looks nuts, sweet. but it's pretty good. It feels more like early Bay. It feels more like Pain and Gain, even. There are like little instances in his career where he he kind of like subdues himself. He, he takes a fucking Quaalude or something instead yeah. of like a mountain of coke and makes like a, a human movie. But I really wish he would do Bad Boys something, four or five. Because Bad Boys 2, Bad Boys 2 should be called Bad Boys Judgment Day because that fucking movie it's goes so, so bomb. They, they run over a fucking corpse and the head 
pops off. Yes. It, there is a scene that they they take that scene from um, Police Story, the Jackie Chan movie, where they run through the favelas yes. in the Humvees. Yeah. They destroy a fucking village. <laughs> that movie... So this one here, the action's a and little that, spotty. That, that actually mm. paved the way for Superman. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, so this one is more of a comedy than it is an action movie. The second one is both. And the best way because like you could yeah. argue the first Terminator is a horror movie it's a it's an independent horror movie and the second one's like groundbreaking like landmark action and storytelling I, I would say Bad Boys 2 paved the way for the next 19 Fast and Furious movies absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah. It, it, he definitely had an impact on uh, oh, yeah. blockbuster action movies for better or worse mostly for worse because he also like influenced the shaky cam and that's pretty uh, much the entirety of the late 2000s yes. to 2010 but, but like yeah. in Bad Boys too there is a, a shot that really I think encapsulate encapsulates who Pei is as just someone who's very stylish and definitely knows how to say something with the shot, but you're not sure what he's trying to say. And he's, it's try, a, he's trying to say Michael Shannon's a clan member. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> the, sh- the, the shot that introduces Will Smith is like he bursts, it's a black man bursting out of uh, clan robes wearing a police uniform with his arms outstretched with two pistols in each hand mirroring uh, like in a cross formation, yeah. mirroring a burning cross behind him. It's like The a, shot it's like, is so fucking packed with subtext that you're not sure yeah, Michael Bay the, is aware of or trying to It's say. like a John Woo <laughs> shot with the pigeons, but it's clan robes yeah. being thrown to the air. Yeah, Bad Boys 2 was insane. And in case you've never seen it, just go to YouTube and type in um, Bad Boys 2 prom date arrival. Because the scene where Martin Lawrence's daughter's <laughs> oh, prom date comes to the door is maybe the funniest scene that Martin Lawrence, maybe the funniest thing that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence have ever done in their entire fucking careers. What about Big Mama's house? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only seen the second one. I was confused. But yeah, man, Bad Boys makes stars out of everyone involved. This thing did gangbusters. It made what? What'd you say? One hundred and forty like million. It was like one hundred and forty. Yeah, worldwide. So on million. twenty. Twenty. Yeah, yeah. Open the same. Oh, it was number one at the box office. It's weekend of release, of course. Uh, July. Uh, April. 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 Really? 7th, it's not a I summer think. movie. It's not. Yeah, April seventh was wow. it when it came out. Uh, second on box office was a Goofy movie. So. As it should be. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah. And Tommy that Boy is, that was is a third. great fucking movie. Okay. All right. Well, that's a that's a lineup. And yeah. the last line, greatest last line of any dialogue in any movie we will ever watch. And what was it? <laughs> he just leads. He says, "He says change it." <laughs> he, says, he says, "I don't know what you want to go back home to your wife for. Your dick does not work." <laughs> yeah, you got shot in the leg. Your dick probably doesn't work, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, by the way, by the way, what I do, before we before we end this. So that last shootout with the the hangar, the airport hangar, the so, one leg wounded is right. the only. So this is what I want to say because in most movies like Commando or whatever, where you've got Arnold with like an M60 and you've got a hundred guys shooting at him, and when he does get shot, it's like the largest man on the planet, like a guy who's literally won Mr. Olympia seven times in a row. They like hit him in the arm, but it grazes it him. It grazes his shoulder. So there Every are time. four dudes in the shootout here. There are the two Hispanic cops or whatever, which you think, surely, they're, one of them's going to get it. I, I did actually want to talk a little bit about it. Go ahead. Well, they, So their plan is they drive a, a trash truck that's holding a front-loaded dumpster yeah, with the two guys. They in disguise it. themselves first as as dumpster as garbage. Yeah. Why? And, <laughs> yeah, and then they just drive through. <laughs> they drive <laughs> right into it. And immediately, it's like 
guns are going off and i'm thinking well, isn't all that shit falling into the trash can like wouldn't it be smarter to close the trash can lid so all the shit doesn't fall in on top of you so they're immediately getting shot up with like machine gun fire no one gets shot no. at all except for martin lawrence in, in the, the leg, leg by the main bad guy Chucky Cairo with a small pistol meanwhile yeah. like AK-47s and assault rifles are going up and the one guy that gets the drop on Will Smith that he has to like bare hand fight doesn't have a gun of course doesn't have a gun while simultaneously there are five men who run by right. with guns that avoid him this happens constantly throughout the movie and I know we're wrapping up here but just jumping back to when the fucking they stormed the hooker's apartment who they thought was just a lone girl they had used a single sledgehammer man to murder the <laughs> madam but who do they send for the one witness that still lives a man with an assault shotgun and then two other goons with guns after her why because she jumped off a fucking 50 foot roof into Wait, a three foot which, pool by the way, she, man she must have really been hoping like God, i hope that's the deep end that i'm yeah. jumping into like that's so, a tricky one there so it, it I, moves, I keep thinking of like the nice guy scene where he jumps off the roof and it, aiming for the pool and he lands on the pavement david yeah. keith yeah, yeah. Keith David, yeah. So, so many times in the fucking last scene especially you're just like he'd be dead Dead, 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 dead. All of you should be dead. Every one of you should have been dead long ago. How about the fact that they get into the fucking airfield to begin with? This is a hundred and what? $80 million deal going on with $20 million in cash? And they didn't have a fucking guy down the road going... Nothing. Hey, there are people coming. Nothing. Well, <laughs> Nothing. I'll, I'll tell you where they weren't. They weren't at the Temple of Night Guarding Blade either. <laughs> Wasn't hey, that your big complaint? Yeah. <laughs> hey, the 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 only person to ever like spot them while they're casing them or like observing them from afar. Michael He's ba- the main <laughs> villain. Yeah. Michael he Bay's coke dealer. He <laughs> binoculars and lo- looks at them on the bridge. I love in that scene too. Like they're on the bridge, like thinking they're being inconspicuous, <laughs> and they show the binoculars, and you see him through the binoculars looking right at them yeah. and they don't even as, question as it as if to match uh, that the 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 girl is looking at him through the binoculars seeing him look looking at her with the binoculars, binoculars like he's literally looking she, right back at them she doesn't mention it <laughs> yeah. whatsoever she is the worst she like sneaks in, goes off and sneaks into that club with the gun and Ugh. like starts a fucking firefight. They, and then what? When they're driving away, they she has the gall to be like, "You're gonna get me killed, right?" <laughs> you call yes. There's a line when they drive away in the ice cream truck She's and like, she goes, them. "And you call this protective custody?" Yeah, yeah, that's Bitch, what it is. You came here. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right now? Once you here, I didn't even ask for this. I'm second generation removed don't give a yeah. fuck about and then, you then and she's then, like, like, i'm bored sitting in the car i want to look through the binoculars and like don't you're gonna get caught and she fucking gets caught. caught she makes that complaint about protective custody and then like the very next scene is a scene where she's like what's this called pookie it's not being in handcuffs anymore does what oh, <laughs> like you man keep, you keep putting yourself in jeopardy it's, and it blaming is, them it is damsel in shot in the head <laughs> right it's damsel in distress but dialed up to the point where the damsel keeps fucking falling into the bad guys it's yeah. it, it is it is so don't they, ask the, don't they ask the main bad guy like what do you see and he says a lot of teeth 
<laughs> I mean, fuck, she's got like basically like a target on her face. Speaking of the bad guy, what do you guys think of Chucky Cairo in this? I, uh, I, I think Chucky Cairo does a pretty decent job in this. I mean, he's he's playing it. I don't remember who the bad guy in Bad Boys Two is. Some isn't it like a cartel, cartel guy or something? Drug dealer? Yeah, like, I only vaguely remember is because he, I think he shoots one of his own guys and then says to his mom like, "Oh, he fell down or something." I, I just think that like in a movie where Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are dominating every single scene, there's very few scenes they're not in at least one of them. I think that he does stand out well enough. I mean, he's got like a certain. Um, international quality to him but i think like yeah he's he has an intimidating presence which is all yeah. you really need yeah crazy eyes maybe maybe would have been nice to have a little bit more substance from like when he speaks or his decision making process outside well, of evil for evil sake. i, I think yeah. that if bay had been a more established director he could have gotten ed harris or he could have gotten anyone he really fucking wanted sure to. i would have wanted to see joe Pantoliano in there fucking joey pants is the bad guy i'd have been fine with that yeah but yeah, yeah I, I he think... still has a cigar and everything. He's like, this one's going in. And he throws it, it goes over the fucking backboard. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, I was thinking every one of these fucking things before you assholes walked in here. I think <laughs> they, they Joe, come Joe in and he's great. like, no, no, no. What are you guys doing? Y'all got to be protecting the witnesses. Like, you're in here just playing basketball. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah. great, man. And he's he's really the third one, the third bad boys. Have you seen, has anyone seen the third one, Bad no. Boys for Life? Mm-mm. It's not bad. It's more like this one. It's not the second one. One that's like a balls to the wall action movie. It's a little more subdued, but Joe Pantoliano is definitely like if someone's not sleepwalking through that movie because Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are a little like they're older, you know, they're a little like what are we doing here? Joe Pantoliano is actually giving like a full on performance in that movie, and he is he is the thing that knocks it up an entire grade. So yeah, check it out if you get a chance to see the third one. I feel like that would work for him older something about like his age in this movie Pinoliano? yeah it just yeah. feels like i don't yeah. maybe he feels it's like you should be it. uh not a beat cap but one of the lower detectives yeah and yeah. i mean it's because like you said coming off the fugitive he just seems like he works better in that role than being like this young chief that's just yelling all the time that comes across more like a like a parody like the like the chief in um he's in uh, what's that movie with Samuel J? He plays the chief in that. He plays the chief in Last Action Hero. Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched Last Action Hero. I can't think yeah, of his yeah. name, but he, it, he looks like, like a black Brian Dennehy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like a guy yeah. that looks like he has an ulcer when he was born. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, yeah, he, like he ends up coming across just like a parody or something. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I think that Michael Bay knew. A, yeah, he has like, to have a cigar in his mouth for it to yeah, even like Michael be Bay believable. Wanted that, though. He wanted a guy that was fast talking. He wanted a guy like from a Howard Hawks movie, like who's just, this guy can just ad lib all day long and he'll never get tired. So hats off to Joe Pantoliano because man, he's he's fucking incredible. He's and- a solid actor. I love. I, I mean, I love him in everything that he's in. He's just like I could have seen somebody else older yeah. in that role. And I mean, I think. if you want to argue, anyone gives like an actual great performance in The Matrix, the first one besides Fishburne. Uh, he's a, Joe, he, Joe Pantoliano, man. Yeah, next to Fishburne, I would next say he's he's probably the best person in that yeah, movie. I yeah, agree. but overall, Bad Boys pretty fucking sweet yeah Still it, it rules ass. i hadn't seen it in probably 25 years but we watched the absolute shit out of this and i, I remember going into it this time kind of thinking like i remember not really loving the action 
And then when I watch it as an adult this time, I'm like, oh, I was reminded it's not an action movie. It's it it has action in it, but first and foremost, it is a straight up comedy. Yeah, and it's a comedy. God, Bro, bros rule, girls suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boys yeah. rule, girls drool. That's really all there is to it. Get in the car, like we're it, gonna go fast. And yeah. whatever Taylor Leone has is even worse. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. Change it. What you gonna do? There's a new hero in town, a whirlwind of action that's positively... Okay! Yes, dare to wear the mask! From zero to hero, the mask is one lean green crime-fighting machine. He's a hard-hitting superhero! As he... just saying that when you see people you know on the side of the road like their car's broken down or they have a flat tire or whatever and you drive by them and you, you take a good look you know and you see who they are it usually makes sense <laughs> just let me know where we're going <laughs> yeah we're, we're rolling and we're back and we are covering beavis and butthead which premiered on mtv in 1993 who here was a fan of Beavis and Butthead? Oh, absolutely. Fucking rules. What about you, Garrett? Were you a fan? Uh, I, I watched it. Yeah, as a kid? Uh, yeah, I don't know when I exactly I watched it. But Yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. It <laughs> wasn't like a thing on my rotation at all. You guys were more South Park kids, right? I think that was yeah. definitely more prevalent at the time, but For I sure. watched a shitload of Beavis and Butthead. I watched the movie... Because we had it on disc, yeah, or maybe VHS. I don't remember. Um, but my bro- my older brother and I watched the shit out of the Beavis and Butthead movie. I've seen it like seven times before the age of fucking ten, yeah, or some shit. I I don't know. It was great, man. And the thing I love the most about Beavis and Butthead is how much. They are exactly like us when we're acting like bad boys <laughs> because no. it happens so much that Beavis and Butthead is just edgy, teenage, crude humor, back to back to back. It's just nothing but huh, tits, <laughs> cock, balls. That's all it is. That's all the fucking humor. We watched like three different episodes and it's nothing but like fart jokes and (laughs) wouldn't it be cool if we saw titties? And that is you and I. (laughs) It's it's talking about (laughs) scoring and double entendres. That's all it fucking is. That's all it is. And it, it really hit me during one of the episodes that we watched Beavis and Butthead is notorious for doing little commentaries on music videos. Yeah. And one of them music videos is playing. And I was like, fuck, man, this is me. <laughs> one of the music videos is playing, and there's a dead body floating down a river. Oh, the Possum Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, there's a dead body floating yeah. down the river in the video. And Beavis goes, you think they actually killed somebody <laughs> to get that body in the river? And Butthead, Butthead says... They should have killed they, the people who made it. They should have <laughs> killed the people who made it. Yeah. Fucking, I was like, oh shit, 
Butthead and I have the same music What was the one where the first time it was like, make up your mind? He's like, I've already made up my mind. This sucks. This sucks. sucks. (laughs) And I was sitting there thinking, fuck, man, Butthead, you're right. It is just noise, dude. We're we're talking about like how like it's basically all just fart jokes and like tit jokes and all that. But really, I mean, for a kid, yeah. But if you look at like what Mike, Mike Judge is doing there, not so much with Beavis and Butthead, but more like, because they're the commentators, but all the other characters on the show, these yeah. are all like American archetypes yeah. in some yeah. regard or another. These are all just like fucking schlubby idiots that are either too nice or too stupid to be anything but nice. Todd, the coach, the psych or counselor, whatever. Yeah, Mr. Van Driesen. Yeah, yeah. All, all of them. All of them are these just drop-in placements of the American experience. And everyone knows uh, a Tom Anderson. Everyone yeah, knows, right. like, the prototype for Hank Hill. Everyone knows, or, 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 like, grew up with one, or was related to one or something. But, yeah, I think that, that Mike Judge, I said it earlier, like, no one covers the American idiot better than Mike Judge. And I, I love I love what he comes up with. I love King of the Hill. Yeah. I love Beavis and Butthead. It's great. Office it's just, space. And then, like, I mean, really, really, like, the cherry on the shit cake he made about America is idiocracy of saying, like, this is literally the direction we're heading. I, I mean, mean, but that's, of course, like a farce, really. Or, is, like, like Beavis and Butthead, like... Is it? I, I, I mean, might judge it as most cynical. Yeah. I don't think it's a farce at all. I think no, he literally is, is sees it, is, it going is that it way. Is it him and his most cynical? Yes, but it's funny because... I would, you know, growing up, I remember everybody talking about Beavis and Bud as being like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. People it's still like, think and that. It's like, right. And it's like, yes, it, on the surface, because the humor is crude and dumb. And it's like Harry Sacks. <laughs> like, and that has me crying laughing. Like, that is funny, though. It's funny. It's, it's, it's like, funny that they think it's that <clears throat> funny to carry it on for over a month. But for so yeah. many people, it's like, that's it. And they don't see the subtext of the show, which is, the, is as you say, the Amer- about the American idiot. Like, what always got me about Beavis and Butthead when I really found it as a teenager and why it struck me. And I think it stands out even more than most of other of Mike Judge's work. It's yeah. like, what makes Beavis and Butthead great is not that they're stupid or not even necessarily that everyone else around them is stupid, but it's like Beavis and Butthead are a product of everything around them and everyone else like doesn't really see that. Even they don't see that. But to us, the audience watching, like that's 100% what it is. Sure. So too much of what happens to Beavis and Butthead is a product of what other people put them in or like stuff they tell them to do. Right. Like, <laughs> you have two adolescent boys who are stuffed into a dilapidating existence of no uh, parental supervision, very, like, apathetic side characters and community-driven aspects. And it's like, yeah, what are they going to fucking do or be excited about other than finding porn mags in a dumpster? Right. That's a good day to them. We watched one of the... One of the episodes that we watched was a Great Day. And oh, it's in, one of my favorite in, episodes it's, it's, a, it's a fucking awesome episode because it's just explaining what would be the... A great day for a, for a 13 year old boy. And I love how 90% of that is bad shit. It's all you know, shit. terrible oh shit. Car yeah. wrecks, murder. Yeah. It's there, a horrible there, day for there's someone else. a car else. wreck, and then a fucking like 18 wheeler crashes into the back of that car, too. Like j- just making the whole thing much better. My favorite, though, is where they just find blood all over the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. And they're, yeah. they're he, just. He pays them not to tell anybody, yeah. and then they, they go find like a dead animal. They go, like, like, a dead bird. They go <laughs> to his door, and clearly they're just 
just doing like a parody of Jeffrey Dahmer. It's, like, it's a I guy who too, just looks like Dahmer, Dahmer and he's got that same monotone and he's like, yeah, we're just going to let you know you have a lot of blood on the sidewalk. And it's, he goes, oh, you saw that? And he's like, yeah, it's really cool. You should come check it out. Like, the, the way that they've got the, got it drawn is like he's separated by that screen door. Right. Yeah. It's very like eerie on that monolithic. Part. Yeah. 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 He's, he's obviously just committed murder, and so their idea—they don't even pick up on it. Yeah. But their idea is, let's bring him a dead bird, and maybe he'll give us another dollar. Right. Yeah. And That's so he, he's probably... loading a body into a trunk. They give him the dead bird. He gives him twenty dollars. And Bella Beavis is like, like, like pieces click into place for him. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's the way it should be. You you give a guy a dead bird, and he gives you twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably my favorite line of all the ones we watched because he's like. <laughs> That's what I want to be one day. Yeah. <laughs> I want to grow up and give you kids know, yeah. $20 kid, for kid, dead birds. Kid brings dead bird. Beavis is like such a good-hearted <laughs> sweetheart, like really at his core of like things just don't make any sense at all to him, but then the things that do are completely like sociopathic in a way. <laughs> right. But I love that like Beavis is that stupid and sweet and Butthead's like a sociopath and also an idiot, but he's only slightly smarter than Beavis. Yeah. So Beavis is like the folly of everything. Like we watched, uh, we watched the Nosebleed episode, which has to be one of the best Beavis and Butthead episodes of all time where Beavis is bleeding to death out of his nose <laughs> and just like the epitome of stupid like where, where they peak with their stupidity is where they're trying all the different techniques to stop the nosebleed he puts the bag over his head and Be- Beavis just hyperventilates in a bag and completely bloodies the inside of it getting blood all over his face yeah. but the scene where he ties a string to Beavis's nose well you don't know what he's no. tied the string to it's just like the string is going off it's camera POV. Yeah, yeah, and it's tied to a door, so it's like the tie tie the string to your tooth trick, right? Exactly. Yeah, but you're yeah. like, but what's he tied it to? Right. And then he's just the door, and bl- the whole screen the goes whole red. Screen is blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, a sc- with a scream. It's so fucking good, though. But yeah, when he's calling, he's calling nine one one, and I love. It. He's just like nine one one. What's your emergency? He goes, Yeah, Beavis is bleeding. <laughs> he calls four one one first. Yeah, he calls four one one. What's that number again? Yeah, and she goes, He is his nose broken, and he's like, No, like like he. Even knows like it probably is broken. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "This is about a nosebleed, sir. It's not an emergency." And he just walks back, and he's like, "Beavis, calm down. It's not a big deal. It's not an emergency. You're, you'll be fine." And then it like cuts to a few hours later, and Butt is just sitting there eating nachos, and yeah. Beavis is like whimpering and saying, "Like, Butt, I'm dying. I'm still bleeding. It's still bleeding." He's losing so much energy and like going white. Yeah, like, like the solution: pinch your nose and tilt your head back. Never occurs to them. Yeah, he but makes Stand on his head against the wall, and he says, "Here, drink this with your nose." And he yeah. pours a glass of water. Yeah, fucking waterboards yeah. him. See if that works. He tries to give him the Heimlich maneuver, and every time he like he forces his chest back, blood just spraying yeah. everywhere. But yeah. it's, it's just stupid, like solutions to everything. Because in the, in another episode that we have watched. It's always the same bullshit. Beavis will get stuck into something. He gets stuck in a fucking blood pressure machine. Yeah, the arm cuff. And, <laughs> and fucking Butthead is just the most lackadaisical, apathetic person. He takes the time to go down the tool aisle, the hardware section, and he's looking for something sharp to cut Beavis out of the fucking arm well, cuff. Well, first he finds adult diapers and just laughs for five <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah, he yeah. laughs, but he finds a worker. He, 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 <laughs> he brings the diapers back to Beavis, too. He brings it back and he's like, hey, Beavis, look, some guy's going to take a dump in these. Some old guy's going to take a dump. And, look, and Beavis, while he's like freaking out and like almost hyperventilating, he's going, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty funny. Like, yeah. he's still like laughing at this dumb yeah, shit. Yeah, he stops mid panic attack <laughs> to laugh at he's the fact purple. that. He's purple. His whole body is purple. I love the way that 
episode opens is them just looking at condoms and giggling and he goes yeah. Venus I just realized something every one of these is going to be on a wiener yeah. Yeah. and he was like well, yeah, well, what's cool. that going to go in yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, hey, you know but what that means that, that really is like that's the entire fucking humor for the two of them yeah. and that's what I fucking love so much about it because when we're all together and we go on like a cabin trip and we're just being fucking degenerates I feel like we channel Beavis and Butthead because he goes up to the fucking store clerk and he's like I need something sharp he's like oh you need a tool and he just stops to go tool (laughs) it's like yeah any fucking innuendo for a cock dick balls package anything is hilarious we gotta stop and draw attention to that because it could be mimicked to be a dick I'm so glad that you said it because 1000% the whole time I was watching this all I would think is if you had four Beavis and Buttheads instead of two and put mics in front of them you would have our fucking podcast <laughs> you'd have, you have a better podcast yeah. 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 it'd be a lot fucking better than this well I have to just be going but we did that anyway Jesse came out the fucking gate with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's yeah, literally man. every day. It, it's a great show. I was wondering if you guys were going to like that or not or were familiar with it or what. Because, I mean, I see so much, like, so much talk about, like, it's it's a dumb show. It was never good. It was. It, it is dumb and it is stupid. And, yeah, there there is a lot less heart in something like Beavis and Butthead. Than Zero there is, heart. Than there is <laughs> yeah. King of the Hill. Right. You know, they might show across, like, ten episodes a glimmer of any type of, like, personality substance or something. Yes, it's stupid, but it just drives into that fucking stupid, crude 90s humor that was so prevalent across fucking MTV. And, it, you know, it's in the same vein as shit like Celebrity Deathmatch. It's just stupid shit. It's just stupid humor. But that's what I fucking remember the most when I picture hanging out in my older brother's room and he's got a futon because beds aren't cool enough. We're sitting on it watching Beavis and Butthead and ragging on whatever fucking... Uh, you know, 80s hair band is playing in that music video while they're commentating about how cool would it be if they did this with, like, their dicks out. You know, th- that's it. That's the entirety of the fucking show. But it, yeah. it, it's great. It's it's that's like stupid. I was saying to, earlier, too, like, even beyond that, though, it's like, what's even funnier to me than just even their stupid humor is the way that everyone else around them is too stupid to, like, understand how 14 year old boy thinks i think that's the satire though is that everyone else just tolerates that kind of stupidity and sort of laughs it off like even the clerk at the story gives the diapers to which is like okay i'll I'll put these back on the shelf or it's like their expectations for them are unrealistic i said they're product of like everything that happens around them so much of what happens is someone being like hey will you do this or like uh go get this or your your friend needs this or like whatever and it just makes the situation worse because they don't realize that you should not put these two in a situation that it ultimately becomes because they just like where right, they, they have to make so, decisions it's yeah, yeah they, they have to make need decisions. supervision they well, need, they need supervision like, yeah because they're better dumb, uh, and, no, like no no other character better demonstrates that than tom anderson who always has like his myopia or something and he, his vision is failing so he's always mistaking them for like responsible <laughs> good people right yeah, y'all are good boys unlike those two 
down the street, Buford and Bernardo or right. whatever. And he's always like giving them a chainsaw to do like, you know, yard work or whatever. Has anyone seen the new Beavis and Buttheads, the two new seasons they've mm-hmm. done? I don't, I've only I seen the I new movie. Part the movie. Of, okay. I watched part of one of the episodes. Because Which the movie's really good. The movie's incredible. But let me tell you something. If you're not watching the new shows, the new episodes, they're hard to get. They're on like Paramount or Apple or some shit. Yeah, and which I don't. You were missing some of the best TV animation ever put on fucking... And I did watch half the episode where they were trying to go to an escape room and they yeah. ended up in the girl's yeah. bathroom. In the girl's bathroom. <laughs> Davis just doesn't know to, to push. If you think like, like, I'd seen like the scene where he's talking to the fire demon in a dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you think like Mike Judge revisiting old stomping grounds is sort of like try it and dry it out or whatever, let me tell you something. He has taken that formula from the 90s and translate it into this. I mean, it is not diluted one bit. It is fucking pure genius. Like Mike Judge has taken all of his years of writing and creativity and put all of that back into Beavis and Butthead. And even with the music video stuff, now it's turned into TikTok, it's TikTok videos, videos yeah, it's him, them and YouTube TikTok, instructional things, DIYs. Like, I was watching one where it was like it's it was a teenager trying to see if she's getting accepted into college or something. Yeah. And so they're just making fun of her the whole time. And then she oh. finds out she gets into college, she reads her letter and goes nuts. And they're just like, wow. That's the thing like, is like, like no good bands are really <laughs> so, making like music videos anymore. You don't see like respectable bands really doing well, it, any videos. It, You're seeing like Imagine Dragons and Ariana Grande. It's and that's really what they're clever covering. just because I mean, this yeah. is what people are watching now. So like right. it makes sense that this is the lens that Beavis and Butthead would be looking through now. It's it's really good to yeah. hear though that it's it's paying off now. Yeah. Because I, I would love to see it. I just haven't gotten around to, you know, having whatever fucking Apple minus TV or whatever this bullshit is. It I, I would love to see it. But for me, like early on, Beavis and Butthead is just as much responsible for me liking Rob Zombie as yeah. Twisted Metal is because when you watch Beavis and Butthead do America and they have that fucking acid trip through the in the middle of the desert with their parents yeah. with their dads the peyote trip yeah. it's just like this is fucking wild but I'm hearing this shit and I'm like what is that I don't even know how to look up music when I'm this old I don't even know what that is but then I find it again and it just rushes that oh, yeah. entire Sense movie memory back stuff. Me. Yeah. Mm. and speaking yeah. of their dads on the new show there's they basically do two or three episodes that are regular Beavis and Butthead at the current age mm-hmm. and then they do middle aged Beavis and Butthead which just look like their dads in the movie yeah. the <laughs> middle aged Beavis and Butthead stuff is the best shit they have ever done on Beavis <laughs> and Butthead it is because seeing them like in their like late 40s just doing the exact same shtick, like nothing's changed. Oh, no, they never get older. They yeah. look decrepit. Beavis looks like that witch in Sleepy Hollow that they go to visit. <laughs> he looks so sick and terrible. And they're both just smoking and drinking beer on a couch and like watching shitty TikTok videos now. It's unbelievably fucking funny. Like this is Mike Judge's like masterpiece, I think. I mean, Beavis and Butt, I thought always was. And I think Idiocracy and Office Space are great. I think most of what he's done is pretty incredible. But the, him going back to the well of Beavis and Butthead... A lot of things have tried it, like Ren and Stimpy tried to come back a few times, and they tried to make it like MTV edgy, like gross, and like they're a gay couple now, and different things like that. It's not the same thing, because Nickelodeon was like kind of the gatekeeper that made that formula work. They had to be more creative than gross out. And Beavis and Butthead, he has taken that to a whole new level with this. I mean, Simpsons, of course, never had like a period where it could just not be on the air and relax and figure out the new formula. It just kept going and going and going, and I'm sure it's run out of steam even more than the last time you've yeah. heard someone say it sucks. And Futurama's coming back like so many times. 18 now. Their times. New, their new season, which is a little bit, uh, it's good, but there's 
there's some things that are changed about that are a little strange. Like yeah, the like, like melted. now they reference specific brands that are common today, which yeah. I don't think they ever did. Um, and it's a little weird. They alluded maybe, to yeah, it. Yeah, maybe they alluded well, they, to it. They, yeah. they, they would like say something that's like like Fulu instead of Hulu, which is something they would do, oh, like Jesus. changing letters to, to shit. Well, uh, yeah. but now like there's an actual joke about Apple Maps. And so like, maybe well, maybe the that's the point that a thing though is that out. Beavis and Butthead is so basic of a formula. It's not rocket science, and it is funnier than it has any right to be, and smarter than it than people think it is. But between that basic formula, the air to breathe, and between all the different seasons, because they, they did one in 2009 or 11, they which was also back, yeah. really funny. It was a great season. Of, yeah. It was limited. It was like 10 episodes. But they've done two full. There's like 48 more episodes of Beavis and Butthead now, mm-hmm. and with Mike Judge still being as involved as he's ever been with the show, it's not. It's not like a, a Seth MacFarlane thing. We're like, nah, he just kind of does the voices now. He doesn't write any of this shit. Mike Judge is very, very involved, and I don't like King of the Hill. I'm just not a fan of it. But I am such a fan of everything else the guy has done, and I can respect what he did with King of the Hill because that is the heart of Mike Judge. Oh yeah, it is, it is the what Beavis and Butthead lacks an in actual introspection, yeah. learning. Uh, having actual character development and lessons to be told. It's white to black. It is, it yeah. is all couched in King of the Hill. It is all substance there. There's a lot of nuance to middle America or, or just, you know, middle America as in like a standard nuclear family set up. It's fucking excellent, but he's he has made such an impact on just fucking adult animation. Yeah. I, I think it's mm. I think it's awesome to see that shit. And I would still to this day rather watch shit that he made over ninety five percent of what's out there now. Not yeah. that not to say that none none of that is good. It's just I think it fucking has so much rewatchability. I would say it's one of the top three things that someone would think of when you mention MTV or Really, mm-hmm. any type of like early video commentary because it kind of it, it paved the way for a I mean, lot of yeah. that. Yeah, aside from something. Liquid Television, Beavis and Butthead was the launch pad for MTV doing like highly experimental things. Like this is what led to MTV's oddities later on, like with the Max and the Head and all these like crazy things where they were just taking guys going. So you're drawing these things for in between music videos, the, the little like logo imprint things for MTV, and you could get as creative as you wanted to for about seven seconds. Then take that and turn this into Aeon Flux. Turn this into mm-hmm. like something that's 20 minutes or five minutes or what. We'll find a way to do this. But that was like giving so many different animators a chance to like show what they could do with a short film. Almost like the What a Cartoon Show on Cartoon Network. I mean, yeah. that's how Seth MacFarlane launched Family Guy. Hmm. And Johnny Bravo launched that Powerpuff Girls. That was the format for so many like alt experimental animators and MTV was the platform and it's weird that it went from music videos to animation to experimental TV shows and then just a straight reality TV later on yeah it, I mean that that was very odd the the heavy transition it went through from what felt like a very creative launch pad but into what is essentially trash television to be but, fair though there's probably a lot of metalheads though and like hair guys that were watching MTV and going fuck yeah, I don't like VH1 because they play Brian Adams and Sting. MTV plays Chili Peppers. It plays, you know, all these, like, bands that I want to see. They may have felt the same way that we did with reality TV, though, of, 
I don't want to see a bunch of cartoons. I don't want to see a bunch of like experimental TV shows. I want to. See, I don't want to watch the Andy yeah. Dick show or the Ben Stiller yeah. show. I don't want to see comedies. I want to see music. Music. That's what I yeah. want. I, I I could see that, but this is this is probably one of the most uh, impactful cartoons of my childhood. Yeah. It's Beavis and Butthead. It's King of the Hill. It's Daria. Those are the things that I remember the most and i feel like when i revisit them i can still find characters and elements and stuff that play into just because he's he's doing commentary on archetypes i'd rather go back to this as an adult than south park i think the images of beavis and butthead will live in american culture probably for decades so iconic man it's like like mickey mouse i wouldn't be surprised if you find a new yeah version of it to come out even long after mike judge just because like you said, they're so they're so iconic to just American culture in general. They're, it's self reflective. It's something. It's a way of looking at ourselves, and being like, "Yeah, we're fucking stupid." And, it's, like, and especially and about like that time period too, because you've got the grunge era, and you've got you know alternative kids, the freaks and geeks being drummed up a lot during this time frame. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I fucking. It's, identify it's like as. Laurel and Hardy or Three Stooges meets Nirvana. Yeah, this, you know? it, it feels but, like television that was made for me, and I when when I see it, I like to see these guys just commentate and shit on stuff and make dick jokes. But I also just as much love to see Daria episodes, and you know the dad and mom and that are fucking wild ass characters too like even it, though it comes yeah. from like mtv and music like beavis and butthead just like as characters like that never changes right yeah. like it's like you, those archetypes will live on in a new form sure like forever maybe they're not watching yeah. mtv videos but they're watching tiktoks or they're right, watching exactly. youtube or, and, well especially with the seeing the middle-aged versions in the new one of basically mike judd saying stupid aloof kids with absentee parents because you never see their parents except right. for the movie with the dads who are gone yeah but you hear beavis's mom mentioned all the time but basically stupid kids that are in that scenario and given those variables to work with grow up to be stupid adults who basically just sap the system and somehow manage to still have a roof over their heads and get by they thrive in fact like they drink and they smoke and they eat nothing but fucking nachos and pizza and they're the ones who don't get diabetes or cancer they they're just the, keep they're going the momas in the <laughs> store. They're, they're, they're the cockroaches of society basically is what he's saying but god damn is it funny put under like that lens right. and seen through that prism despite of what Mike all does. our best efforts they've still right. managed right and typically like they're the ones that don't really lose they're the ones that walk away laughing while someone else really befalls like tragedy like Stuart's dad in the prank phone call episode it's just some asshole, just some schmo, and he ends up getting a phone jammed up his ass by Harry Sachs. <laughs> and rather this like eye-opening part of it all is that it's not it's not even their fault. You can't even really blame Beavis and Butthead. No, they, like, they don't even realize what they've fault. done. Right. They're, they're just too, dumbass they're kids. They're too stupid to even know like that what they're responsible for. They, most they of the are time. just as much responsible for tragedy as Mike is throwing shit into a road for a car to hit. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Even though I said it on Mike on our first episode. <laughs> yeah. So and and that's what I identify with. To a T for Beavis and Butthead. It fucking rules. I want to throw more lights into apartment parking lots <laughs> and have them bust across and tear up tires. You got any mail? What does it say on there? 
Beavis, where's that stuff we got from Stewart's mailbox? <laughs> they just need an address. Yeah, they don't know their own address. Yeah, speaking, They're so stupid, they actually get Stewart's family. Speaking <laughs> of this, I think the statute of limitations is up for this. <laughs> I didn't feel bad at all about that road shit because my dad was picking us up on a Tuesday, man. <laughs> and he'd take us to like Blockbuster or something because he'd get us on Tuesdays and every other weekend. But he'd pick us up. I mean, I mean like 2.15 in the afternoon from school, from elementary school. <laughs> He'd sit there and piss in a beer bottle out of the car in the bubbles or parking lot and then look on the way back to his house throwing over an overpass. <laughs> and we were just, Where the fuck is your dad? We would just piss drugs. Yeah, we would just laugh and laugh and laugh like Beavis and Butthead. And then you look back on it and you go like, someone probably died. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, someone's probably dead. Yeah, but he was an adult. Hey, oh, he was an adult. All he right. worked for the U.S. government. Yeah. The most dangerous kind of man. Gar- Garrett rolled pumpkins plural pumpkins down a hill into traffic yeah, and cause potential accidents he is a beavis and butthead don't let him fool you happy, happy halloween well, we've established this we all are yeah. every one of us yeah. here like, yeah. we're yeah, all we're, we can also be shitty kids who laugh at the mention of someone saying package because it could relate to and might be a dick not ours and and did, not ours and did really <laughs> stupid irresponsible shit that probably yeah. got people yeah. hurt or caused property damage we might we might sure. have one packing peanut from a package as our dicks but no we don't have a package at all <laughs> but that's it that's all I got for it man it's just it's one of those things that lives fondly in my mind nestled away into yeah. my brother's dark room just blasting fucking Metallica and watching MTV and sitting there like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we got a Game Boy game that also had Harley Davidsons on it or something? Yeah. Just shit like that. Just coming into stupid. a Nirvana and t-shirt. A, it's yeah. funny because it's <laughs> dumb Coming into a Nirvana t-shirt. <laughs> Let's get uh, into... Uh, smells well, like, Jesse did have yeah, something go to ahead, say. Jesse. Oh, we'll, I, we'll do well, the segue was, again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to say was it's funny because as stupid as Beavis and Butthead are, there's something that is fond to me in particular about their sort of just like carefree lifestyle. Now, like if I ever find myself in a situation where like, I feel like everyone around me takes themselves way too seriously. Like if I'm at a fucking country club or you something like that. You ever felt that with us? No, no, okay. absolutely not. But that's my point is that like, if I find myself in a situation where I feel like people are just like, you take yourself way too seriously. Yeah. That's usually when Beavis and Butthead will stick out in my mind is like, I actually kind of applaud them. What are you at ways. country clubs, by the way? Ah, fucking people. People Wait. my wife knows. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, we definitely need to end the segment. I want to dig into this a little bit. Well, let's just offense. say that, like... Patreon content. Let's just say that, like, yeah, I definitely know people in my life who... What could be picked up and dropped into a Mike Judge cartoon? Exactly. Exactly. That is a great way to put it. It's anyone whose personality is as 1D as possible. Their person and their identity is this thing, item, material, status, title, whatever. They just are that thing. Right. (laughs) You said D. (laughs) (laughs) You're the kind of person that would think Beavis and Butthead or the cartoon is really, really dumb, but if they were here right now, would probably put you in a situation that would be great for them and be horrible for you. And I kind of applaud that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) roll.
<laughs> that's my that's my favorite kind of thing. Just yeah. like just stare at someone, just let them just run completely out of fuel. But it's like, no, I can cut, the car can coast all the way home. <laughs> oh, nope, nope, nope. We're on the side of the road. Like I said, it typically makes sense when you see yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm hungry right now, Jesse. So speaking of coming into a Nirvana t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you were just so eager for that, aren't you? Yeah, it was good. Come. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Jesse, uh, you get second place. All right, change it. Obey Wario. Destroy Mario. Don't fall under Wario's evil spell in Super Mario Land 2 on the Unkid Boy. <laughs> was like it's funny because jimmy fallon normally has short hair and in this he has long hair and jack black's last name is black and the video is white and black and they looked at me like i was a fucking idiot so i did not get the job at fazoli's but pretty soon we're gonna have like millions of dollars coming in on patreon and i haven't paid my taxes in like a fucking decade so that's even more money but um let, let me know when we're going <laughs> Load up on guns, bring your friends, it's fun to lose, to poo pretend, she's overboard, and sells a shirt, oh no, I know, a dirty word, hello, 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 hello. With the lights out, it's as dangerous. Here we are now. Entertain us. I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now. Entertain us. A mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido. Yeah. <laughs> where did it fall apart you think <laughs> I'll tell you where it fell apart <laughs> Mike said poo <laughs> we were on like line three and Mike says poo and I, my lizard brain cannot move fast. more like Kurt's moon brain yeah. <laughs> I was stuck on that yeah. <laughs> alright what are we covering today Garrett <laughs> you know guys y'all fucking smell that What's that? I'm sweaty. It smells like fucking Axe body spray and remorseful Mike's incidents. Poo. You didn't write this down, did you? No, you, just, <laughs> you, just, you just thought, yeah, let's wing this. Hold on a second. I got notes. I got notes. Oh, I got notes. God damn it. No, it smells like Teen Spirit Boys oh by Nirvana. Uh, okay. so, so did you actually look up what the meaning of that was? What the meaning? Yeah, it, it, uh, we, he played the song, and actually, I got a text. It says, Breckenmeyer wants to know your location. Because <laughs> <laughs> every single man in this music video is wearing a fucking t shirt with a long one under it and 
junky jeans and long hair. Either that or shirtless. Or not wearing, yeah, not yeah. wearing shirts. Or, yeah, dude, or I'm sorry, wearing, man. Yeah, like, no, their long hair is their shirt. Dude, it's 101 degrees out today where we are. That fucking room they're in, though, it looks like the boiler room from Nightmare on Elm Street that Freddy Krueger lives in. <laughs> it looks so fucking miserable yeah. and hot in there. The teen spirit thing, though, I did look that up. What that was is his girlfriend at the time, it wasn't uh, Courtney Love. It was, uh, I, God, I forgot her name. I watched a documentary with her in it, though. As someone uh, who didn't kill him. Yeah, he, he was living with her, and <laughs> oh, she was Jesus. like, he was mooching off her, basically. Well, so she used a deodorant called Teen Spirits, uh-huh. and she wrote in graffiti, like somewhere they lived, Kurt smells like Teen Spirit, and he liked the sound of that, mm-hmm. and so he titled the song Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's all it is. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. I always assumed it was just about teenage angst and apathy and just coming off of talking about Beavis and Butthead it's like, it's the same thing it's just like just teen apathy to everything well, I mean, everything sucks that's kind of what the song and the I vibe mean, even is the music video has that vibe too he literally says like like what are the lyrics and all these Rolling Stone articles over the last three decades are like you know they're as, they're as alluring as they are cryptic and Basically, he said from the get-go, like, I was writing a lot of bullshit and bad poetry at the time. The song, don't look too much into the lyrics. Like, it doesn't really have that much meaning to it. But the vibe, the actual, like, the, the zeitgeist thing that Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, like, launched into the stratosphere with grunge and apathy and feeling, you know, disenfranchised and all that. And even, like, the themes of the video with, you know, the janitor being the one that's rocking out, which is, like, a thing about nonconformity and not selling out of, yeah, yeah. I'm a fucking janitor, but I still know how to rock. Also, Kurt, and- Kurt Cobain was a janitor, like, while he was writing these songs. Well, that's probably the reason they kept him in there. Cause I didn't know the, that either. The director yeah. was like, they originally wanted us to have, like, a principal and all these other teachers. And he goes, I felt like it was a, a music video checklist kind of thing. But they wanted to make kind of like a um, rock and roll high school, the Ramones right. movie sort of vibe of like rambunctious kids acting out at what is supposed to be uh, what is alluded to being an assembly. Yeah. Earlier today, I, I watched the his, the Cobain uh, documentary montage of heck. And it, there is like a an interesting tidbit in there where he like it's a voice recording of him talking to one of his buddies and he's talking about this film Over the Edge and how it is like really impactful for him. It's like a '79 movie. With the Matt, Matt Dillon, Dillon thing. Yeah, the Matt Dillon thing. Really? Yeah, and like when you look at what that movie is and like certain scenes from that movie, I mean, it's all these high school kids fucking raising hell and yeah. pissed at their parents. It's a bad movie, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, when he's talking about, it, he's like, yeah, that movie just had such an impact on me. And you can kind of, I think you can tell, especially in this music video, like that, it kind of still has that same like anger. It that has same, punk energy. It's, yeah. it's a lot better than like the outsiders. Like or kids rising yeah. up and just creating a, chaos. It, it does scream a lot of angst suburbia. Yeah. Yeah, which is great because, man, I mean, this is like the first big music video. I mean, this is, this was recorded almost last with Nevermind. This was one of the last written songs for that album. And they had done Bleach in 89. I think that's their first album. It's really not great. It's okay. I mean, you can hear like there's talent there, but it's almost like listening to Radiohead's Pablo Honey of like, it goes from this, which is okay Mm -hmm. to like, this is monumental. The very next thing. It's like when you watch like Christopher Nolan's the following and you go, it's okay. And then like, well, what's the very first actual thing? It's like memento. And then you never look back from there. It's like you went from subpar to one of the best things ever put on screen or on album and that's what they did immediately. And of course, and I, it's all I, too short lived. It is. Mm. And I will say, like, of course, I'm sure that absolutely amped up the notoriety of it and everything and played into that entire scene. But everyone knows 
Smells Like Teen Spirit is a fucking anthem amongst that generation of just kids acting up for the sake of acting up almost. Yeah. And I get that, yeah, it's an overplayed song. It's super popular. Everybody fucking knows it. And it's one of those things that it's cool to be like, yeah, Smells Like Teen Spirit's whatever. I really like this. Or what? It's, a B-side. It, it, yeah. is, it, it is a hipster's dream to say this oh, is yeah. not a great song or whatever. I get it. But... They're Even wrong. still, yeah, <laughs> it, wrong. It, it, it fucking <laughs> rules, man. It encapsulates a fucking generation and an yeah. attitude. And There's an a entire... reason it is as popular and stands the test of time like it right. Is. right, just because it is popular does not mean that it is any less as impactful as it is. And I know even the band members of Nirvana did not like how much they played this song. I get it. I know. I'm sure every single time fucking Trapped goes to do a concert, they're sick of playing Headstrong. But, hey, that's the fucking business you're in, bud. Do you want to do a different analogy? Like, we want to do a different take of that? (laughs) No, no, because that's the one fucking song you know from them, isn't it? Is that shit that's played on every fucking movie with a boxer as a lead or some <laughs> shit? Yeah, we get it. What man. kind of life are you living? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Do you not know the song? Is yeah. that the headstrong? Headstrong, okay, take you okay. On. It's the butt rock thing. The I, it's, I kind, it's kind of a new metal butt rocky thing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. 2006 sure. yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's shit that guys who like Limp Biscuit would get. And Hooba Stank. Yeah, you and all yeah. heard it on those commercials yeah, playing heard, like that. The, the, the albums, song. like, and this is tra- Headstrong from right. Trap. Right. right. And it goes yeah. for, yeah. Featured right. on Now 34. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the 2000s, <sighs> and it's got Trap God. on there. Yes, that that is one. I, I just mean in that, yeah, I'm sure they were fucking sick of playing this song, and it is nothing but the shadow that totally follows them everywhere. Let me put on but... something good like Chevelle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but also like they, they did also have a lot of other songs that a lot of other people love. Oh yeah. So, my, my favorite song personally is Heart Shaped Box. Same. But, yeah. And yeah. Utero's yeah. Killer. I mean, I, I've told right. you this before. The only CD I keep in my CD player in my car, which I never fucking use is never mind. I really yeah. couldn't believe that we've rolled this song. You know, for, for anyone who either doesn't know or has forgotten or whatever, we randomly roll from a pool of material to cover in each of these categories. And rolling smells like teen spirit <laughs> for a 90s roulette podcast is like, that, that's how, how it's the like fuck hitting the, you get, it's like winning the lottery yeah, i went yeah. to youtube to watch the video and it's sitting at 1.2 billion yeah it is the most popular thing we have covered yet and we have covered popular yeah. songs yeah we have there's, barbie girl on that list there's, there's a there's a fucking there to this day you can't go into a department store that doesn't have a fucking nirvana t-shirt the smiley face with a bullet yes, hole yes man yeah. you, you you see that everywhere and yeah, it man. is it it rocks the the fucking front of every fifteen year old shirt at some point, and you still see it now. There's still people that Which, yeah. You talk about how look. iconic Beavis and Butthead were. Like even if you've never watched Beavis and Butthead, that you is, know it. It's ubiquitous. Yeah. With I mean, just the image of that you've seen it everywhere. Like people in fucking yeah. Thailand know that's Beavis and Butthead probably. And, and Kurt this, Cobain and Nirvana is has that equal standing. And for the exact same reason, like that you know you'll continue to see Beavis and Butthead. You'll continue to see Nirvana just because it it speaks to like a certain audience it resonates so well with the specific age with the series i mean we've kind of covered this when we even when we talked about uh iris with goo goo dolls right when you're at that age that's kind of an experience that is 
across all generations. It's like very, the, right. the people who yeah. got the the young kid, the teenagers today are still going through those same kind of emotions. You're still going to have those impressionable moments where you're like, damn, that really is how I feel inside sometimes. <laughs> are we yeah. revisiting that character? <laughs> yeah. It's good to have you back on the show. So you said acting out for acting out's sake. It, something about that feeling it captures it perfectly. That yeah. You hear that song and you think like, yeah, sometimes I want to just riot because fuck everything. And this is crazy because yeah, this is like, not like 95. This is 91. This is like the beginning yeah. of the 90s. Like I was still mm. in my fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle under ruse when this song came out, which is the reason why I have more to do with this like you guys do with a lot of other stuff in the later 90s of I was six. I was five or six when this came out. So yeah. by the time he killed himself, I was eight. And it's like I'm seeing all these these teenagers like crying and shit on TV, like in memoriam or whatever for this guy. And it's like, what? Wait, what was the big deal? What happened? And it didn't, it didn't hit me until like 97, 96, some, something like that, where I was about 11 or 12 and really starting to like music. And then I started kind of hearing it and going, oh, shit, yeah, this does sound different. But I never put it together. Like, this was 91. Like, this is, Alice in Chains had been out, Pearl Jam had been out. You had had your big, like, Seattle bands, your grunge bands. But this coming out is like, this is like Mozart. I mean, this is like, this guy is effortlessly doing this like when you watch Amadeus the Milos Forman movie and you're seeing Amadeus like fucking playing the piano and farting and giggling and stuff and Salieri's just like seething like I have worked my entire life and studied a discipline to be the best and it's like this guy's farting and playing music that is capturing the the rapt attention of the masses mm. Kurt Cobain is and doing, doing it that. better than you right this is that's <laughs> yeah. Kurt Cobain is like he's yeah. literally going the lyrics don't mean anything. It's bad. It's a bad poem I wrote. Because He's like, we had it's to put bullshit. A song on it's there. all bullshit. And it's the and it's I, the first song on the album. It's the last thing written, and it's like this is iconically Nirvana, and he he barely phoned it in. And I, it's 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 so like wild when I was digesting this music because when I discover it just transitionally from my brother you hear all this and you start digging into it and you're like, Oh wow. I, I like this. I like this, this music. It really like speaks to something. It just sounds cool. This it's is what my like older, pop. yeah, this yeah. is what my older brother likes. And yeah, that's cool. And he likes cool stuff. And then he goes, yeah, the lead singer's dead. And you think, so there's not going to be any more of this. Uh, yeah. Oh fuck man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! What 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 else is there? And he's like, well, you got some of this, and you know, these are some singles and stuff, or you know, this is like an MTV Unplugged or whatever that you can watch, and there's some covers in there that are pretty good. It's like, okay, is there, is there ever going to be any more? Like the rest of the band's probably still going to do stuff, right? Yeah, probably not. Well, it, well yeah, one of them did. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, one, 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 one of them did really. But well. one of them did a lot. But yeah. I just mean like, there's not going to be. Nirvana. No, there's anymore. not going to be Nirvana. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's we, not going right. to be any more of that, and there's not going to be a substitute for it because I would never put anything else in this thing's clothes. Yeah, and throughout I, all of our episodes and all of our conversations, we revisit Nirvana a lot because that's sort of like that's that sort of the apex of that age. Yeah, that's like that's like the the big one. That's like the Steven Spielberg basically of like reliable top notch prestige output no matter no matter what it is anyone else would have told this not only less great but probably poorly and this guy killed it every single time like even uh insecticide which is 92 that album is just b-sides it's just shit they did not use for nevermind that's all it is and even that's pretty decent so basically there's nevermind there's that bleach you can forget about but then in utero comes out in 94 i think and then there's unplugged 
And that's it. That's all you get. Yeah. Uh, unplugged MTV's um, live and unplugged with Nirvana gave me one of the, my favorite performances and I love hearing it. It's in my like songs list and it comes up all the time. Lake of fire. It's short. It's sweet. And I just fucking love his raspy ass voice going through that very simple acoustic song. It's an angry song too. Yeah. Yeah. It, that it, that is probably, and, and that, that, continues on like i'm consistent in that with like country music i am not a country fan in the sense of like trucks and i'm sad i'm going to dance in my cowboy boots shit i'm much more of like a devil's crossroads style Mm. like low raspy voice um, More bluegrassy kind of bluegrass yeah, just, Americana. Yeah, talk, yeah. talking about deals with devils and yeah. like having you know yeah. just a lot of shit on your back and less about like damn hey really do bail high. I, I don't really care about it. Excuse me, what was that? But sometimes bail doesn't bail that high. You can't bail hay that high. Like you, you know, sometimes you can't stack it that high. You gotta. Yeah. Have you, you ever been on a high. farm? Yeah, I haven't. But have you? The fuck are we talking about? <laughs> I'm we lost. We lost. Yeah, like like two so fast. Ago. <laughs> like my are. fucking eyes were crossing. <laughs> but anyways, you like folksy ballads about Americana. And- yeah, and I feel like as as much as Nirvana just blasted through every three bedroom, two bath house throughout America, <laughs> I, it. It, You're being really specific. Humble today. brag. <laughs> Hyper specific. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> well, hang on. I didn't know that. Well, um, I, you know what? Here, here's. I think here's the analogy because what you're talking about is basically like angst. Angst, That's but it. like the previous generation was. Um, God, who would that have been? Um, oh fuck, Neil Young. It would have been Neil Young for them, of like a guy who's a singer-songwriter that is an incredible songwriter, but it's sort of hit or miss in terms of sound. I don't like Neil Young. I just, I'm not a fan. But it's too like high-pitched and sort of whiny. But the sure. guy the guy is, you know, un, or, or objectively, talented. objectively yeah. a fucking very talented person. Kurt Cobain is sort of that for that generation, for Generation X. It is a guy that like can be that talented without really even trying and heartily addicted to heroin. Like the guy can still give output that is unparalleled in every sense of the word. And that is a crowded fucking market from 91 to 94. Sure. That is, that is the heart of, of that decade in terms of sound and music. But like I said, I think the the best way to compare to someone is almost like Mozart. Like some people are just gifted, innately gifted and probably to their detriment. It probably tortures you in that, like, I'm shitting things out on a cocktail napkin, turning them in and saying, here's the new song. And people are saying that it's going to have a billion hits. It's going to be a platinum album from what you just did. And it's like, this makes me hate you more. This makes me feel like everyone is that stupid and they're pandering to me. When really, it's like, no, you are that talented. The guy couldn't deal with his own talent. He couldn't deal with it. He hated himself. I mean, he buried himself in as many horrific things as he possibly could. But his anger made him more iconic. So. It's so tragic that he had that kind of insecurity. Like you say, like, man, to imagine, and we talked about this before, to imagine what we could have gotten from Yeah, from I, him I said like, another episode of, like, man. if he had just done covers of shit for the last 30 years, just done covers, not even wrote another song in his life, just finger-painted in a studio yeah. apartment or something, it's like, I'll occasionally come out, like like uh, your Chappelle or something. 
I'm going to reemerge every five years and do like one, one hour thing. And it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be universally praised. And I get that. Like musically, it's not like it's some God among men style situation. Like there, there's plenty of talented musicians. Like a lot of his songs have like, like fucking smells like Teen Spirit is four chords. Exactly. Uh, Another one of his songs is literally two chords the entire time. But that guitar solo at the end before the last stanza or whatever, that is hailed as like one of the greatest guitar solos ever in a song. I, I just like, mean really? that, is that, I just mean mm-hmm. that like complexity wise, yeah. I understand we're not talking about like some Sistine Chapel level of involvement when it gets down to like brass tacks, like musically from a technical aspect. It's just, it, it really fucking just packaged that feeling and that idea of that age, I mean, it's I, lean I, too, I, man. It's a filet mignon, like I, yeah. It, there's really not a whole lot to it, and I've it still fucking well, sticks with me to this day. I mean, yeah, this is kind of a good comparison with someone else that we covered today, which is Michael Bay, and that like it's not when he does the uh, we talked about him doing the action scenes and it's not about like spatial logic and the geography that Spielberg has or anything no, it's more the presentation it's, yeah, it's about the it's about the feeling of the action, sure. and this is less about and. Kurt Cobain is less about the uh, you know the artistry uh, and the the, the musical theory the yeah, yeah the complexity of the composition and about the feeling of right. what he's just getting across as much feeling as he can with just as few notes. As Michael possible. Bay can make like Captain D's feast look like something from Hannibal. Yeah, right. And that, like it's still Captain D's, but and that, that's what it's the same thing here. It's it's Kurt it's, Cobain though right. is like a McDonald's bag of bullshit that's gone lukewarm and is sort of cold now, but it tastes like a million bucks. It tastes like something from a French restaurant. It still has it's it it's that type of music that makes you look around. And you're like, y'all also want a headbang, right? Like you <laughs> want to do that shit too. I'm not the only one here. Y'all want to yeah. mosh? Yeah, like, y'all want to yeah. throw shit. That's yeah. what that's what speaks it's like to me. Thing to do. It's like Stevie Wonder superstition. It's one of those songs that you can't hear it and not just like want to react physically. Yeah, it, just like it, 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 couldn't think of any other songs. Yeah, Mike it, is not yeah. having y'all's analogies today. Yeah. 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 We we've got Stevie Wonder <laughs> trap. You you had a month to prepare for this. You had a fucking month. <laughs> No, it's a, no, I hear what you're saying though. Yeah, just hearing that like you can't help but just like want exactly. to. It elicits like, movement. Yeah, it, it elicits, elicits movement. a feeling, and whether or not it was a good feeling to have or a uh, you know feeling that you should have been feeling. Like I get it. A lot of people that fucking wear this as their anthem, or it was on their MySpace page when you went to it, and it would start auto playing. Yeah, they were probably just like, yeah, sometimes my mom doesn't let me get Tostitos, and that pisses me off. Describe the hand motion you just did. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> How does that go? Yeah, so I was texting Breckenmeyer. <laughs> you, you were still doing the fucking, yeah, I can't get out of the fucking hang ten, man. Dude, Dude, man. you're wigging, Bug. man. <laughs> yeah, but, but, all right, check, check it. it. I'm going to stop bugging real quick. Um, I did see that. So I, I want to talk about, I mean, of course, the video is set in the high school gymnasium during like a pep rally thing that's gone it's like from hell or something but they were saying that the kids that were there they had to shoot for 13 hours to get the video this director um samuel bear Mm -hmm. basically was starving and was like give me something to do and this was like his first video like first credit as a director he makes this video nirvana's 
like a nobody and they gave them this project and said like this song may sell you know i don't know a couple hundred thousand records they had no idea what they had so he made the video they had to shoot for 13 hours meaning like kurt had to do the song nine or ten times like fully from all these different angles to get the footage and he was pissed he's like i'm not fucking doing it again and he was not having it and he said the last take where I got him to do it one more time where he's getting really in the camera's face and like making all those funny faces and he actually looks pissed. He goes, that's the last take. So even though I had to put him through hell to get that, that's most of what you're seeing with him like facing the camera. Mm -hmm. And then all the kids were pissed off and they knew like, we're almost done here. We were like at our 12th hour. He said, they basically said, can we tear the set up? So he goes, the last 30 seconds of the video is them genuinely tearing up the set and smashing everything. He said that was not part of the plan. That rules. Yeah, yeah, so these kids had no idea who Nirvana was. They had no clue what they were being a part of. And this thing is, like you said, it is the fucking national anthem for early 90s grunge. Yeah. So every single person involved... Went on, of course, to do more work, but Nirvana soared into the stratosphere because of this thing. Do you want to talk about Bayer at all? You looked him up a little bit. I, I don't know if there's a lot. That, he does a, a lot of music videos. Um, Green Day. That, yeah, Green Day. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot who else they, he was they, on there. But he, he did direct the uh, the only narrative I, could, I found was the uh, 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street. Yet it's the only Dude. feature film credit. He directed credits. that movie? He yeah. directed <laughs> that, and people hated it, which... I actually did not hate that movie. I don't hate that or the Friday the Thirteenth remake. And there were there were parts of it that are like, oh yeah, of they course. clearly tried to. They knew like the original was really iconic for, so they didn't even bother trying right. to copy I'll it. Still take it over and like it, Freddy's Dead though. Oh yeah, well I mean, there's a yeah. lot of things, particularly with the story beats of that movie, that are like, I see what you're doing with this and what's different about it, and I actually really liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, turning I, I Freddy into is, a legit child instead of just like alluding to it in the original that, they is missed the like, point I think because I mean England well, even said I like mean, isn't it enough he kills children like is that not enough no because I thought that added something to the fear of it like what he is and th- what it implies like how what he's doing with the glove what that movie does is interesting I will give yeah, credit it, for it that is, it is like, but that's <clears> the only thing he directed and of course it was panned just by everyone everyone hated it and so he never directed again, but he is very successful as a music video director. He did the Cranberries, uh, Zombie. I mean, he's done some iconic ass videos, especially in yeah. the '90s. But one, I, one thing I, it did remind me of, yeah. as soon as I started seeing the fucking cheerleaders gassing up to start doing the shit, yeah, it, the Weird Al fucking parody Which, music video. God, they that was during a time where man, whoever they were getting to make those Weird Al videos was on the money yeah and and i i don't even know if we touched on it yet but i until today i had no idea what the fuck he was saying yeah when when weird al did the marbles in my mouth it's like yes man no <laughs> one knows what the fuck this is but that speaks even more to the fact that it's just about how it makes you feel. I mean, exactly. look at Pearl Jam. No one knows what fucking Eddie Vedder yeah. doesn't even know what he's saying. Right. 90% yeah. of the people singing Smell Like Tea's Beard are all saying something different. And yeah. right. don't care. Yeah. Oh, just like, yeah. I, I have been putting words in that song that are not even... Not well, even I really like sworn like yeah. the first li- line was, No knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. That sounds right. 
He said no knock on wood. I thought I had no idea what the fuck he's been saying this entire time. I didn't even know what gun was in the Load up on guns is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, the lights out and sustain us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No clue. But I I know that Weird Al, uh, of course, they had to ask for permission. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain's like, I love your version because he didn't love the song. He's like, I literally right. wrote it for the right. album, for the studio, because they needed something. They needed something with a sound to it. And it's weird that that album, it ends, it, it starts with that, which is immediately just a headbanger anthem thing. Yeah. Like, just like a pop song. It's written like a pop song almost yeah. of like, the the guy, there was a sound designer. I watched part of that on YouTube. He breaks down and he's isolating the tracks. So he's showing Kurt Cobain's tracks and he's doubling down. He goes, these are two different um, takes. And basically they're matching almost completely. He said Cobain could match no matter how many cigarettes he smoked, no matter what he was doing, no matter how unhealthy he was, he could match the last thing he did every single time. And then they're showing um, the the bass guitar by Chris Novosak, whatever. And it's he's saying he's not trying to do his own thing. He's matching the cadence and the rhythm of Kurt. And basically he's breaking down all three components, well, all four with the guitar and all that that Cobain did, he says they all complement each other. These things are all, are all in harmony. No one's trying to like have their moment in the sun by themselves. Yeah. And he says that's why this works. And basically he said that's what pop music is. Pop music is it's building upon something and it's creating a catchy sound. Yeah. No Harmonious, yeah. Right. That's all it is is harmony and something that is naturally pleasing to the ear. I, I don't want to get into like the philosophy of that or like whatever the science is, the dopamine fix of harmony to the ear. But basically he said that's what this is. That's what the band yeah. is. They understood that because you're not having anything like go on too long because Pearl Jam or or be really super experimental. No. Listening to this song, you have an intuition of you know what musical notes are gonna come up next. Right. And that's a successful type of prediction for your brain and it gives you that dopamine hit of like, yeah, this this makes sense. This makes me amped up. I like knowing what like what's coming. I can tell when it's about to fucking hit and mm-hmm. slap and jump into heavy what fucking are, What do they banging. call that? That kind of that repetition that that your brain seeks out. It like fits that pattern perfectly the way right. that your it's brain seeks that out. It's expecting rhythms and right. yeah. harmonies that make sense. And and it's and it doesn't disrupt that. And well, a lot like, of songs do this. If you listen yeah. to like Breed, which is like the fifth song on the album, it has a lot of the same sound as Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it works because you just heard Smells Like Teen Spirit. If you listen to Breed by itself, you're like, eh, it's a faster paced Smells Like Teen Spirit, basically. But it's got that real hard, like, grungy edge to it, and it comes right after Come As You Are. So it's like your your brain is ready to hear that sound again because you've had enough space in between that sound sure. when you originally heard it. Right. But then that album ends with something in the way. And it's like, that's straight up like a depressing, like orchestraic violin heavy song. But you can really hear Cobain's vocal talents in that song. I mean, that is that song is completely reliant on Cobain, not on Dave Grohl, not on Novacek. It's just on Cobain. And you can really hear how fucking talented he is on that. And of course, that goddamn Batman movie made that song like popular again. It's just like that running up the hill thing on Stranger Things. I'm like, oh, now everyone likes this fucking song. But I mean, regardless, Smells Like Teen Spirit has always been the flag that's been that stayed all the way up the pole. It is the flagship music video. I had never seen 
the music video before now. Of really? Of course, heard heard the hmm. song a billion times. You've seen the Weird Al one, though, right? No, I mean no, and um, th- but this is the first time I had ever watched the video, and it was funny to me that it takes place in the gym and has like the pep rally thing going on, and then they all just like riot because the first time I really remember hearing the song was when I was like 13, 14 years old. I have two cousins that both took up learning instruments at the same time. One of them took up learning drums and the other one took up learning guitar. And then they had a uh, talent show at their school that they asked me to come shoot for them. And to this day, like that video still exists somewhere of this talent show of them doing Smells Like Teen Spirit. How was it? Well, it it's funny because it was a lot like the music video. I'm not even kidding. Like it's it's it really did like was fit. It, an inner city it school? really did fit that just like uh, no, well no. I mean, it was a public school, but it wasn't like an inner city school. Um but I remember in the video like it was a regular talent show. Some people are going up there and just like singing or whatever or juggling. There's probably like a girl in a wheelchair playing violin or something and you know, it's pretty tame. The kids that are there, it's all like, oh, everybody claps or whatever. You know? The girl in the wheelchair sounds kind of cool. Was that, I mean, sure, she's talented. But the point is that what sticks out in my mind is how much it was like the music video and that as soon as they got up there and he just, darn and darn, darn, everybody gets up from their seat. Everybody rushes the stage and everyone is going nuts. Like it really... It really does capture that. Even the I, music I think video everyone, sticks it out. I think everyone yeah. can relate to being a fucking teenager at a high school pep rally, and you're just imagining, what if we just started tearing this apart? What if we just started ripping these bleachers down? I don't give a shit about what <laughs> game we're playing this week. I just want to throw chairs. Yeah, let's, let let's kill the principal. Like school, you can't. You will never make me like school. School sucks. Exactly. School so, sucks. Yeah. So that was a big hit, and then the oh, of course. the wheelchair girl came back out and started playing a second one with her feet, <laughs> and she won. <laughs> I think she did win. Did she? Uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure she deserved it. I'm, I may even be making that up, but I do remember the other kids were just like, "Yeah, all are talented," but you did not get the reaction that this did i mean everybody got up and went nuts uh, yeah you want to get back to wrapping yeah, up nirvana why don't you just wrap it up for us hey nirvana smells like teen spirit <laughs> smells like a hit oh all right someone else <laughs> okay someone else finish it oh, man god dude jesse balls in your court man Hey, balls in your gymnasium, that's too hot. I want to say something. I want to say something real quick. I, there's one thing I would feel very upset and remiss if I didn't mention this. So um, the cheerleaders, everyone strap in. God. The cheerleaders, uh, you can't see them that well. Like you can't see their faces very well. But don't look at me like that. You don't know where I'm going with this. But listen, they they look like they're something from Silent Hill almost. They just look like... Um, they. <laughs> you hate women no, as much as the no, writers no, listen, of bad boys. Listen, what, what I'm saying is this: is that that gymnasium is like something out of a fucking nightmare landscape. It's so hot. I hate heat in general. I don't want to be there. But looking at those cheerleaders, something about the allure of the song and the video, just the aesthetic, even though you can't see their faces and they probably look like fucking half yard part dim or something. It's kind of sexy. Like they have like that old, like old. Like fucking gross, like nineteen forties flapper girl, like cheerleader outfit. It's not flattering, but something about like just that sweaty, like 
are they in hell aesthetic? It looks like something from like the closer video from Nine Inch Nails. Just sort of like, what's behind the sheets on the walls? It's just like flesh and shit. What's going on back there? It's kind of hot. The same, the same guy who did the fog for Sleepy Hollow did Holy this music shit. video. It's steam. It's not even <laughs> fog. It's steam. It's hot. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And everyone's wearing two fucking shirts, a shirt on a shirt, and so much hair. And it's like, God, I want to fucking drink a glass of ice water. I want to suck on ice cubes watching this. There, there are so many guys in the crowd uh, of the audience in the gymnasium that would sit sideways in their desk and say, teach. Oh, that's your Breck and Meyer thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you pulled me you out go. of that, too, because I feel like all of our audience is jacking off now that I fucking took us in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I am. Hey, Alaska, man. I'm sorry, dude. I hope, I, I hope you yeah. don't melt your igloo doing I mean, that. You said Javier Bardem, and I just saw, I started dropping my pants right now. Did you really? Yeah. You yeah. got wet? Yeah, I got uh, Yep. Okay. That chair he's sitting in is seeping. I'm stuck to it. Do you it. think it's they smell it. like teen spirit, too? His and pants? Ah, uh, change it. <laughs> Mom, we're thirsty. Well, I've got two glasses of Sun Fizz coming right up. Sun Fizz, that's our favorite. That's because there's a delicious ray of sunshine in every drop. <laughs> so, yeah, on page uh, 400, you find out that Big uh, was originally conceived as a story about a, a boy um, that lies about getting a stiffy to his classmates and wishes on a fucking genie lamp or whatever to be an adult so he can get one. Um, but he becomes an adult overnight, and uh, it's kind of a monkey's paw wish because um, you'll never guess what the twist is. But just let me know when we're going. I don't even know what that one was. We're rolling, though. I think it's a joke about even though he becomes an adult, he's still not hard. He's still not he hard. hard. Oh. Is that what it was? The main character's name is Mike. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, the title was originally I gonna... told you if I gave you a copy of a rough draft of this, <laughs> you couldn't tell the world. <laughs> All right. So, Mike. Yeah? What's coming up? What do you mean? Oh, okay. All right. Well, this yeah. is the last Wait, episode t- t- of the podcast. T- 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 <laughs> Are we going to actually do like the yeah, role? Well, Mike doesn't yes and. Sorry. Yeah, we, I, I was going to let Mike yeah, lead us in. Yeah, all right. That. We're back. And uh, we're going to go ahead and roll for the, the, the time warp episode. So everyone hop in the pod and let's go through time and see where we end up. You ready? Okay. It's a little bit of Everyone's a Everyone's trapped in here. You you sit in Dalton's lap because you're little. It's a really tight I fit. hope we don't run out of track I was and hit that to, concrete I was talk- wall I was 20 talk- feet down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Jesse. You are the pod. All right, you ready? Are and we there yet? Hit the button and roll the fucking roulette wheel or whatever the show does. <laughs> Whoa! 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 What was that? That was young me that passed by us, and I still couldn't get on. Oh! What happens if I open the door right now? Oh, oh it's Kurt Cobain. He's still alive. And, uh, oh, poor Courtney Love's sneaking up. Oh, I hope that ends well. Whoa! Oh, wait. Hang on. We're going back. We're going back. Hang on. We're going into the future. Oh, shit. We went too far. We went too far. Oh, is everyone okay? All right, wheel. Stop spinning. Where are we? Why does everyone have a chain wallet? (laughs) (laughs) What is this place? Why does it smell like fingernail polish? Why does it smell like Spencer's gifts in here? (laughs) 
Oh my god, he's wearing a hot topic shirt. I I think we're in the early 2000s here. No. Oh god, no one step on a plant or kill a dinosaur. (laughs) Damn you! We can't we can't change the past or whatever the fuck happens in that story. (laughs) But we're in the future. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like that 2000s movie Butterfly Effect. Oh, oh, Oh. uh, that exists. (laughs) Good reference. So so let's see let's see what the roulette wheel says we're covering on episode fourteen the time warp Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah we, where we give thanks that we don't have to live through the two thousands again <laughs> I hate this this is the worst thing we've ever done but it's one of my favorite things we've ever done <laughs> today we're gonna be thankful by not doing nineties episodes <laughs> yeah, this is going to make you appreciate the nineties uh, so much more that's right I definitely will what what's coming on I hope thing? our friend in Alaska is still living in that igloo and listening. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, no, I know. Hey, this is on you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's, what's coming Cut up? Go on, Dalton. I, I, I set the dial for the '80s, and Jesse set it for the '70s. So what do we got, boys? Well, your mistake. <laughs> yeah, your fault because we went to the 2000s, and it's riddled with shit, and so's our picks <laughs> for a movie. We have got Kangaroo Jack. Never heard of her. <laughs> Starring Jerry O'Connell and Anthony Anderson. And oh, dear God. A, a, who else? Oh, who else? I don't know. A kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, talking kangaroo. What are you talking about? And what, hey, CGI. What, what's our TV show, Garrett? Uh, MTV's Next. Nope. It's punked. It's, oh, we're doing, yeah, oh, sorry. We... Cut that out. I thought uh, a punked uh, with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, okay, we're cool. going to do that again. Yeah, do the whole thing. What, don't, don't what just, else don't was just... I supposed to say? All right, Garrett. What's our TV show? Coming up in the 2000s. Punked. <laughs> well, I think we're getting punked right now. Yeah, I think I just got punked. Well, am I crazy? What am I supposed to say? Yeah, something more entertaining than that. Maybe I can take my futuristic editing software and cobble that together somehow and save this show that's turned into shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you a ghost? <laughs> hey, I don't know. Hey, speaking I, of I, shit. Actually, I probably will be a ghost by the 2000s because I'll be dead from old age or whatever the joke is. Speaking yeah. of shit, our music video is... Oh, oh, it's me again. Oh, fuck. I get... Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. it, it is. Uh, fuck, what are we doing? We are Jesus. doing Hey There, Delilah. Okay, I was about to say the wrong thing. Hey There, hey there Delilah get with it. by Plain White Tees. <laughs> is that what the name of the band is? Yeah. Dang. You call it a band. God damn. All right, so that's, <laughs> com- that's coming up in the next episode. Sweet. We, apo- so we apologize it's, in advance. Is it advance. too late to yeah. get back in the machine and it's, go back? It's been good, guys. I hope you enjoyed the 13 episodes <laughs> <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, we hope that you all have a nice Thanksgiving and a nice big-ass unbutton-your-pants kind of meal or just a regular one if you live in Arkansas. Also, if there is a listener in that muddy shithole of state by the time this releases, we really do appreciate it. And I'm sorry for all the things I said in the cold open. No, you're not. I'm really not. (laughs) But it would be nice if people out there could multitask and uh, listen to the app instead of just... um, well, I get censored for saying something about fucking a relative. So if you if you like the podcast and you want to get a little bit more content, head on over to patreon.com slash 90s roulette podcast. We got some stuff there where Mike is a little less critical of Arkansas. Garrett. Yeah. And if you uh, look about everything else, if you like what you hear and you want to continue hearing it, uh, you give us a like, subscribe, review us if you want 
on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Uh, Unless you're from the mid south, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, don't you're from Arkansas, don't fucking <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, an Instagram and a Facebook page, so if you want to uh, follow us on social media, you can do that. Can they do that on a flip phone in the south? Uh, no. <laughs> Jesse, you got any final words? Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Right. We have a good time. See you in the 2000s. Oh, fuck. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. Oh, no. A Boondock Saints poster. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh.